What will become of Dawn and Betty? What's gonna happen to Pete and Peggy? For Kate, it's a mystery. For Ashley, a mystery. It's time to hear Mad Women. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Catherine. Hello. It is time. Oh, oh. For Mad Women. <laughs> Hi, how are you? How have you been? It's been a little while. <laughs> Dear listener, we are late in um, sending this out to you because it was a mad woman's birthday yeah, this week. It was my birthday on Wednesday. I'm old. You're I just old. realized I turned 32 on mm-hmm. the 16th, and 16 <gasps> times 2 is 32. 32. That is completely meaningless. It's a double golden birthday. It's a double golden birthday. Did you birthday. celebrate your golden birthday? I think it was mentioned. I mean, it... I'm guessing, is that like the 16th? Yes. I mean, it was my 16th birthday, so yeah. I feel like it was... All right, so yes, you, you know, did. You know, where I, you know what I did on, hmm. my, on my 16th birthday? What? I was in New Orleans. <gasps> yeah. Shut up. It's true. Really? The day before, or like two days before, my mom was like, do you want to go to New Orleans this weekend? <gasps> and I was cranky at first because I was like, I want to get my driver's license, which is a... <laughs> I mean, it must have been like a Friday or something. It was like, who cares? That's just what all teenagers are assholes about. Right, right. But yeah, I went to New Orleans with my mom and like a cousin. Wow. And folks. And Well, how apropos because yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, what's happening tomorrow? We're having a Mardi Gras party for what? you. What? And it's okay to say that because by the time yeah. this airs, mm-hmm. the party will have already happened. Yes. We should say, dear listener, Kate's birthdays are always a surprise <laughs> to the guests. Yeah. They are not a surprise to her. No. But the last two years, we theme her birthday around a different holiday. Yes. Your so, 30th birthday was Halloween. Yes. Halloween is my in favorite June. holiday. And I wanted to throw a party. And Ashley was like, it needs to have a theme or else I'm not coming. <laughs> and I was like, you know, the only the only kind of party i've ever wanted to throw is a halloween party and then we looked deep into each other's eyes as our mouths just got bigger and bigger (laughs) with wonder at possibility right and then i threw a kick-ass surprise halloween party surprise for everyone else yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, we didn't tell anyone it was a it was a halloween party. everyone knew it would be a party yes they just didn't realize that there was a theme that was (laughs) not appropriate to the time and then last year Uh it was early covid times but it was like before it, it was after it was bad, but also before it got worse. Yeah, it was in that like nice middle of mm-hmm. the summer where things actually were calming down a bit, and we a were like, bit. we can be outside with yeah. people. That's okay. So I was like, I'll do a little picnic at a park near my house, and then I thought, mm, what if it's an Easter picnic? <laughs> and at that point, we stared at each other <laughs> over a fire, uh-huh. and then went to the store at like 10.30 at night. Yes, we just bolted from my backyard and went immediately. two weeks before <laughs> yes. the party day. We te- now, I will yeah. say, this time around, we have waited not to the last minute. No. The last two birthdays have yeah. been with about two weeks to spare. Yeah. And even in that, mm-hmm. thanks to Bonita, oh, my we have managed to throw off two mm-hmm. rocking parties. My mom is a big, so- I mean, my mom is the reason that I'm like this. Frankly, I thought you were gonna say she's the reason you're alive, and I was well, like, "Well, that's true." Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be lying, but she definitely uh, contributes in more ways than you can she imagine does. in the 
strategy and the idea and the inspiration and yes. also with the like physical goods that she just right random boxes of giant boxes show up and it's amazing it is amazing so yeah i love it uh, i'm very excited if for you weren't this part if you didn't attend i'm sorry but you know maybe next year <laughs> Just try to be nicer to me this right. year. We'll see what There'll happens. be a different um, holiday next year. Indeed. My favorite part of your birthday last year yeah. was how confused everyone was. <laughs> they really were. They were like, why is it Easter? Why are... Is it because we couldn't celebrate Easter together because of COVID? Like, they were just so confused. Yeah. It was it was like this public park, and they were just like... I had taken over the entire public oh, yeah. space. Yeah. There, like, the playground. Mm-hmm. There, It was... There was an Easter egg hunt. There was an adult that, Easter egg that hunt. covered the entire space, like like half a mile from yes. where we actually. I don't. know. It's not true. It was far though. And so people would walk up and be like, "I don't know what's happening over there. I'm here for a birthday party." <laughs> and they would be like, "Oh, that's us." It was really confusing to them. Um, and then this year, I've had people be like, "I thought your birthday was around Easter," because they just like. <laughs> In their head, they're all confused. Right. And this Easter, I actually posted pictures to my birthday party. Right, right, right. Which I think further confused people because I was like, TBT to last Easter. (laughs) And it was just June (laughs) at a birthday. (laughs) So this is just, you know, my birthday present to myself every year. I love it. It's also your birthday present to me. Well, yes, I love to share this with Ashley. (laughs) Ashley is absolutely the head of the party planning committee yes and the reason up here that i do them right mom's the reason on the inside i do them you're the reason that actually happens right 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 so i'll say here thank you ashley oh you're welcome kate thanks for being born you know what you're welcome (laughs) for that all right did we do anything wrong last weekend um we didn't do anything wrong but i do have an update okay you had asked me on the last ep if Justin had heard of Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers. Yes, yes, yes. And I said, you know, I don't know. I haven't asked him. Uh-huh. Um, but then I asked him because yeah. I was tired of waiting. Yeah. And he has, in fact, heard of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were in the car on the way to Pride. And I said, I need you to hear about how we <laughs> um, cut you down yeah. and really throw you under the bus. And uh-huh. so I played for him that little part of our ep where I say he was going to send me emojis, yeah. sad faces, hearts, eggplants, yeah. peaches. <laughs> And so in the car, uh-huh. sitting next to me, he sent me all those things. Oh. And also, like, fingers crossed emojis. <laughs> all right. So yeah. So he has heard of them. I don't know why or how or where. Oh, so we, we didn't get any additional information. Um, once I learned <laughs> that he has heard of Click and Clack and that he heard that part but hadn't told me, yeah. I just got mad at him. Oh, okay. So. Oh, all right. So it's kind of The conversation switched. <laughs> The conversation switched from wanting more information yeah, to yeah, yeah. why the hell right. wouldn't you tell me? Yeah, I mean that's when you heard that part appropriate because <laughs> this was like a litmus test for your relationship. Exactly. That you were never going to let it off easy. I, no, that's good. Good for you. Thank you. That's, that's the mad woman style that we like here. So I feel like um, I got a lot of things kind of off in the last episode, Uh-oh. but I don't remember any of them because it was two weeks ago. Okay. So they don't count anymore. No, then we were perfect. I don't remember any oopsie daisy. Alrighty. In that case, <laughs> it's time for. Ashley predicted. Ashley predicted for season three, episode five, that Betty would have the baby. Oh. Because you can't take it me. anymore. I can't fucking stand it. You, what you would hope is that. 
while we were like in the maternity ward outside the window, we would see someone pouring gas on the prop belly <laughs> and lighting it on fire. Mm. The child would be born the day after Jean dies and be mm. na- uh, be square headed okay. and be named Lucifer Jean square headed <gasps> Draper. Mm-hmm. Well, I was partly right. Yeah. And he's already doing evil shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you guessed that he would be named after Jean. Look at me. Look at you. Donstradamus over here. <laughs> <laughs> Donstradamus. No, Nostradamus. Nostradamus. That's I knew there was, what it was. Because I started thinking, Joan, Jonestradamus? Oh, that's good. It's got the right, oh. Regardless, <laughs> Sally is furious because she can tell that it's evil and she had learned about evil from reading Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. Okay. And she plans civilicide. Oh, shit. I mean, about that. she does get violent. She does get violent. As a result of... She gets a little bit evil. She's a little... She's got... She's got blood on her face. She's got blood on her. A big disgrace. (laughs) (laughs) Poking that poor, poor girl all over the place. All over the place. That poor thing. So Betty can't do anything, and she spirals because it's a boy, and it's Mm. evil, Mm. and her dad is dead. She does spiral. She does have some serious spirals, and she can't really do anything for herself. Yeah. And Don is freaking out. So you said that it would okay. take place, there would be 17 minutes of real time in the hospital room. Oh. A lot of this up was in a maternity That's ward. That's true. So you weren't that far off. Look at me. Yeah. I am crushing it. And we would see Pete and Ho-Ho of High Life fame chucking balls at random people in the city. Wow. Just yelling High Life. <laughs> until a grandmother's hip breaks and Ho-Ho is happy about it because he hates old people. Oh, but Pete God. likes grandmas. Oh. So he doesn't like it. Okay. Uh, Peggy and Karen move in together. Peggy brings oh, home shit, a sailor man. and hides him in her bed. <laughs> And then the lingo would be, he's crowning. (laughs) (laughs) You know, all that time spent in the maternity ward, I'm mad Mm -hmm. that we didn't get he's crowning. No. We had a baby that was breached, but we didn't have crowning. I don't feel like there was any mention. There was bear down. There was there mention was. of Bear Down and being seven centimeters, yeah. but that was about it in regards yeah. to her labor. Right. Labor. We didn't get, like, those nice updates that we like about contraction times, right. crowning, anyway. We'll get to it. So this episode is, season three, episode five, is called The Fog, and in a very, another unusual twist to our recording schedule, <laughs> this is the second episode Ashley and I watched together. We did. The first one since the finale of season one. We intended to then record. We did not. We just watched it together, and then she went home. It was pretty it great. Was nice. Yeah, I had a good time. It was great. So, the a synopsis: Betty and Don deal with Sally getting into a fight at school, mm-hmm. and Pete pursues advertising to black people. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a new phenomenon mm-hmm. that no one had ever heard of until this episode of Mad Men. <laughs> So it starts off, we got... That's Don, the whole synopsis? That's the whole... The, nothing about their baby being born? Nope. Nothing about uh, dreams. It, this was from IMDb TV. That's a terrible synopsis. Yeah. IMDb... What? IMDb, it says, Betty and Don deal with Sally 
Pete pursues a New England business. That's they're they're terrible. Now something that I wonder, Mad Men would have when it originally aired, it would have like I think in the Reader's Digest or whatever, like it has to give a synopsis. A TV guide yeah. situation. Uh huh. That's the right term. <laughs> I knew it was some <laughs> tiny little magazine that you buy at the grocery uh-huh, store. Uh huh. And Matthew Weiner was very, very protective of anyone finding out what would happen or predicting. Mm. So I think it he's kind of infamous for giving very obscure synopsises. Synopsi. Synopsi. Mm. And so it might be that that's what IMDb is using. And oh. I just need to go somewhere else for something that's actually useful. Yeah. Um, it's a terrible synopsis. Also... They would have at the end of the episode, like scenes from the next episode, uh, and that would just be nonsense. Yeah, like there would it would just be eat. You know, a couple characters would say one word. You wouldn't know who they were saying it to. You wouldn't know the context. <laughs> it wouldn't be any guest stars. It was just like we had. It, it's uh, there's the NFL player Richard Sherman. I think is no, Marshawn Lynch. They were both on the Seahawks at the same time. Marshawn Lynch is uh, one of his. Things that he does is he'll go to a press conference and just be like, I'm just here because they made me. <laughs> like, mm. he, he's contractually contractually obligated to be there. Right. He doesn't care. And he's actually a really cool dude. <laughs> I think that's him. And he's just like, I don't know. So, right. that's Matthew Weiner. Okay. Okay. The Fog. I said it's like a horror movie. It is like a horror movie. And it yeah. really was. I said the, the title is like a horror movie. And right. the ep was like a horror movie. Definitely. We're back to doozies. It took a listen. Okay. We'll get to it, but okay. this app was a doozy. I'm I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, because because it hasn't been very doozying. No. But we're like you said, we're approaching the middle of the season, right? We got we got a lot of ways to go here. So Don and pregnant Betty are in a schoolroom. Oh and my lord! When this came up, I was sitting next to Ashley, and I just hear how. furious and yeah. i was like how the fu-? but i knew it i had to save it for the pod i was yeah. like i can't talk about it so i'm just gonna write about it and i'm so angry I know. and literally the very first thing in my notes yeah. is how is this bitch still pregnant <laughs> i was furious yeah and it i just it was just a beautiful moment of like that real time <laughs> listener ashley is truly upset by this belly <laughs> It's not something right. she puts on after right. the fact. Right. It's not yeah. what I'm just bringing to the mic. It's like <laughs> right. in real time. You saw it. Yeah. You witnessed my fury. I did. And it was beautiful. <laughs> so Betty is too big for this. It's like a parent-teacher conference. Betty right. can't sit in any of the desks. They're she's meeting with the hot teacher. Hot teacher. And who, she, who is that? I tried to look her up, but I couldn't find her. But I recognize her from something as well. We'll look into that. All right. We'll look it up. Uh, but she does think... It's like she's surprised they're both there, and it's essentially like dads usually don't come to this, I'm guessing. Well, that's still true today. Yeah, exactly. And so Sally had gotten into a fight with a girl at the water fountain. Becky Pearson. Becky Pearson. She shoved her head into it. Yeah. Pretty violent. Sally said, save some for the the fishes. Yeah. And Becky was like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Well, Sally pushed her. Sally told Betty that she's a bruiser. <laughs> she did. Sally did tell Betty. Apparently, that. poor little Becky. She's a little heavier, and all the kids make fun of her, and they poke her with pencils because they don't think she can feel it. That's sad. It's the worst thing in the world. Poor Becky Pearson. Yeah. And now she needs stitches. No, she didn't need stitches. Thank goodness. 
but there's, there's like a, a flash. Yeah, there's a very quick shot of Sally with blood on her cheek, just like wiping it off, yeah. like all sweaty, hair a mess. It's like a Guy Ritchie shot in the middle of the whole thing. Yeah. This ep is very interesting. Yeah. The way it was shot. I'm curious who mm-hmm. the director was. Well, that should be easy to find out. Was this the cater person? Or is that who it was written by? Because remember I said this is written by yeah. cater so-and-so. It's directed by Phil Abraham, who okay. directs a lot of these episodes. Okay. I don't know him, but I see his name a lot here. So, but maybe it's cater that is Ma'am. putting all the weird stuff. That's not my name. So... <laughs> The teacher is recognizing that this is a new behavior. Sally's never acted out like this. You know, is anything different at school? And they're like, oh, yeah, her grandfather died. Anything different at home. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. Anything different at home. Grandfather died. And, like, she's like, why didn't you send a note? Right. (laughs) Why didn't you tell anybody? Why wouldn't you tell us that? She didn't miss any school. That means she didn't go to the funeral. And Don's like, I don't think kids belong in graveyards. Yeah, which is still a commonly held belief yeah. that you should keep kids away from that stuff. And it is mm-hmm. well documented that that is a terrible thing to do. I'm glad to hear that the science is against that. Yes. Oh, yeah. big time. I mean, yeah. there was a whole, I remember, oh my God, I was mm-hmm. in a creative writing class of yeah. all things. I don't know why this happened in this class. It was creative writing like for elementary teachers or, uh-huh. no, it was children's lit. Okay. It's a children's lit class. And we had one whole class about Mm -hmm. like death and children yeah and all this different stuff and we talked a lot about this whole phenomenon of like Uh kids not going to the funeral and all these different things and how there's this science that says no actually kids need to grieve just Mm -hmm. like adults and they need to you know have ceremony and you know all you know all the things that adults need Mm -hmm. but it was a very strange place to be having these conversations that is a not where i would expect to like see that. an intro children's <laughs> lit class not children's psychology yeah and let me tell you this teacher was a fucking weirdo yeah this was maybe the only class in the entire semester that was worth a damn yeah like this week the whole rest of it was just nonsense <laughs> she spent most of the three-hour class talking about her two dogs oh dear that were like elderly and she has to take care of <laughs> and then she would spend the other half of each class talking about all of her all of her friends who had either died or had dementia wow yeah it wasn't great wow. it was a terrible class i mean you kind of wonder who teaches creative writing who teaches children's lit who teaches in a community college <laughs> i mean just people who have a lot of stories in their head maybe i guess don't really know how to funnel them to in words so the teacher gets real, like, emotional. Like, she's really, she, like, grabs oh, yeah. Peggy, and she, or Betty, and she says, I feel terrible bringing that up for you. Like, gets really She's emotional. affected. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's very affected. And she says, now I realize she was asking all those questions about Medgar Evers' murder. So do you know who Medgar Evers is? No. Did you look him up at all? No, because I couldn't catch that name fast enough. Okay, that makes sense. Neither could my autocorrect, and <laughs> I left in the original one, which was Merger Bears Miser. <laughs> That's what they thought I was writing, but it's not it. <laughs> That's... Okay. I know better. So, <clears throat> Medgar Evers, I know Medgar Evers' name... I'm sure I heard it. We had, like, a civil rights movement unit in, like, gifted class. Okay, the name is familiar, but I didn't look it up. I know him best from the Bob Dylan song, Only a Pawn in Their Mm. Game, which is, I think, one of the most incredible songs ever written. It was written 
a year after Medgar Evers died. Okay. And um, it was, I think, like, on the date, or maybe on his birthday the year after he died, something like that in 64. And the first line is, today, uh, no, a bullet from the back of the bush took Medgar Evers' blood. Uh, a finger fired a trigger to his name, a handle lit out in the dark, one hand set the spark, two eyes took the aim. Mm. Behind a man's brain. But it ain't him to blame. He's only a pawn in this game. And I, like, that song has come up in my head for the last five years because it's mm-hmm. all about, like, how people are manipulated into, you know, taking sides. Like, white right. supremacy. It's the South politicians, the preaches to the poor white man. Mm. You got more than the blacks. Don't complain. You're right, better than right. them. You've been born with white skin, you explain. And the Negro's name is used as plain for the politician's game gain as he rises to fame. And the poor white remains on the caboose of the train, but it ain't him to blame. He's only a pawn in their game. Oh, my. Anyway, I like that song. (laughs) But Medgar Evers was a civil rights activist in Mississippi. He was prominent, uh, part of the NAACP, uh, like a field uh, leader. It said that he... His public, I'm reading off of Wikipedia, his public investigations into the 1955 lynching of Emmett Till in Mississippi Mm. and his support of Clyde Kennard, who I don't actually know who that is, made him a prominent black leader on May 28th, 1963, so just Mm. less than a month before. just happened, yeah. A Molotov cocktail was thrown into the carport of his home. On June 7th, he was nearly run down by a car after he came out of the NAACP office. Ooh. Um, So remember when, in the last episode... Peggy's mom turns on the TV and we hear JFK, mm-hmm. and then it's the same news broadcast the next day. Do they mention Medgar Evers in that episode? I can't remember. It, I no. It's, they talk about it's the, the Buddhist, the Buddhist uh, who sets himself monk on who fire. Sets himself on fire. Yeah. So the JFK address. It was the report to the American people on civil rights, and it was given June 11th, so the day before Edgar uh, Medgar Evers was murdered. It was uh, he would propose what later became the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Uh, expressing civil rights as a moral issue, Kennedy moved past his previous appeals to legality and asserted that the pursuit of racial equality was a just cause. The address signified a shift in his administration's policy towards strong support of the civil rights movement and played a significant role in shaping his legacy as a proponent of civil rights. Uh, And then, and so it's like, people are heated, Mm -hmm. but now the president is is taking sides in a moral way. And not that, I mean, clearly... They were already after Medgar Evers right. and a lot of other people. Right. Um, and so it says that night, Evers, who was regularly followed home by at least two FBI police, uh, two FBI cars and one police car, arrived at his home on the morning of his death without an escort. None of his usual protection was present for reasons unspecified by the FBI or local police. There has been speculation that many members of the police force at the time were members of the Klan, mm. which is Imagine almost that. certainly true. Yeah. He was the first African-American to be admitted to an all-white hospital in Mississippi. And I think they had to be like, they showed up to the emergency room and they were almost turned away. Mm. But they were like, it's a famous person and he's about to die. He was just shot. I don't know if that helped or not. Uh, Mm. But he fought at the Battle of Normandy. He was a World War II veteran. And he was only 37 when he died. And so he was more nationally and he was also buried with full military honors before a crowd of 3,000 people at Arlington National Cemetery. So he's a, it, it's one of those names that it was, you know, early 1963, first half. So right. he, he was killed before, like, I think 
the big events that we are taught in the mm -hmm. civil rights movement, you know, all the giant MLK marches and sit-ins. But he was doing that stuff before it became, right. like, right on the verge of becoming big. And mm -hmm. his death was just a really big marker in all of that. Right. So, that happened the day after Grandpa Gene died. Right. So... And Sally's been asking about it. Sally's been asking about it. Um, Betty looks upset, but apparently she's not as upset as she looks. She tells... Because uh, She the doesn't teacher. even look upset. I know, right? Oof. She just can't help herself. I'm glad that the teacher had to be like, you look upset. <laughs> because there's no other way that the audience would have known that because yeah. she doesn't look upset. Yeah. No, no, no. Not at all. Uh, she looks exactly... She's just kind of annoyed the way she always does. And she leaves and the teacher is talking to Dawn and tells her that Sally is grieving. There's a special pain to losing someone at that age. I don't know if you'd understand that. And Don just says, I can. Mm -hmm. So they're both hinting at the fact that they've lost someone young, but they right. haven't said it. And Betty just wants it to wants to put it behind them because it's going to be a beautiful summer. <laughs> yeah. She wants everything perfect before the baby comes. Yes. She just wants everything to be perfect yeah. and fine. Mm -hmm. And let's just forget about it. The way to do that on. is to just ignore problems. Right. That seems to, yeah, it's like Sally had an explosion at school. Let's just pretend like it didn't happen, right. and then it won't happen again. Nope. And the summer will be fine. So, going back out to Sterling Cooper, there's this meeting. Lane is just reading out expense reports. Yeah. Boring just how much they tipped waiters and how much right. they paid for cars and stuff. And Don Draper comes in. They say, it's better to have a little bit of Don Draper than no Don Draper at all. And he says, I'd like that in writing. Mm-hmm. Then they bring up the road trip to, or the trip to Baltimore. Yes, it was very interesting. <clears throat> Lane says, you two, he looks at Sal. Yeah. And Don and says, you two went on the same trip. Uh -huh. But you put in for 82 and he put in for 70. Yeah. He says, you know, Sal put in for more. Yeah. And what Sal need all that $12 for? Right? And Don is like, we, we, we were just doing the same thing. It's yeah. fine. What are you talking about? Yeah. And Lane is very uh, suspicious. Okay. He's suspicious just in general. Yeah. He's he he's under a crunch from the head office. Mm -hmm. He's the he is holding the purse strings and he's trying to tighten them, but everyone's just has an attitude at Sterling Cooper of abundance, you right. might say. Well, the pens, papers, and pencils suit a company four times our size. I, honestly. And Don just gets up and walks out. He just out. leaves. He's like, this is ridiculous. He got there late. He leaves early. He's not gonna let's do it. The last thing Lane says is, and a, something about a credenza has disappeared, a fact that I believe necessitates a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Oh problem? my god. Sal spent 12 more dollars yeah. and a credenza is missing. It's a conspiracy. I do feel like this is this is one of another mysteries around what Sal was doing in Baltimore because mm. he was late for the meeting with London Fog. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also significant that they remind the listener, the viewer, dear listener, you're a listener, <laughs> but we're all viewers of Mad Men. Uh. But they remind us of that trip because it mm -hmm. comes up later it does. in a couple different ways. And I the think. whole ep is called The Fog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So we're now with Pete and Paul. And Paul's talking, talking about how Marxism is great. <laughs> it's funny. It's like the same kind of thing when we, we walked in on a scene where Harry was talking about 
how taxes were bad. Like he was just mm. being super like conservative. And now we've got Paul just being super progressive mm-hmm. and they're really establishing themselves on either side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And Pete's complaining that he's not getting good clients that like all the good ones went to Ken to Ken and uh, he got, he's getting dogs and he names a few and Paul, and he, one of the ones is an admiral and Paul says, admiral's not a dog. Do you remember the last time they mentioned Admiral? Well, that's the TV that Peggy got for her mom. That's the TV she got. And it's such a perfect little detail. Yeah. They just put it in in the last episode where her mom says, ooh, an Admiral, you must be doing well. Right. Which establishes Admiral as a nice, like, right. expensive television. Right. Pete is trying to figure out, like, he's like, there's nothing else I can do unless I have new creative. And mm. Paul says, no. But then he's looking at all of these cities where sales are growing that aren't Manhattan and Boston, I guess. Right. And Detroit, Chicago, St. Louis. Mm-hmm. All of these. All these great jazz, jazz cities, cities as, Paul says. Mm-hmm. Pete says, is it possible these admirals are being bought by Negroes? <gasps> Which was an interesting like little jump that... Jazz cities are also cities with large black populations. Right. But it's true. That's true. <laughs> so, right. It, but it's just like a, a an interesting, like, way that they're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That Paul's like, mm, jazz, cool. And even though he's the one who's been to fucking protests right. and stuff in Mississippi. And Pete connects it to, like, maybe a different kind of person is buying it. Right. At this point, I noted that Ferris just walked over your laptop and <laughs> it was really cute and yeah. I hope he gave you some good notes on this scene. Yeah. So Ken comes in and he's he's looking for something but he really is just like being Ken and he says something about he got a new watch from Birdseye mm-hmm. which is a the vegetable company that still exists that apparently is one of his clients so it's like my client gave me a cool watch right well he comes in to tell them that lois got her scarf stuck in the xerox is that what he said yes lois got her scarf (laughs) stuck in the xerox and lois is paul's secretary so we learn that lois she did get off of the okay whatchamacallits the switchboards Uh uh-huh because she's paul's secretary because they're like ah they really gave you the like run to the litter or whatever (laughs) they say uh and paul's like brr 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 all right. And then that's when Ken, like, mm-hmm. he, sh- he holds up his watch or something. Mm-hmm. Before that, Pete yes. says, "Is it, could it be possible that Negroes are out buying people two to one? Oh. When it comes to the yeah. Admiral? That is yeah. a big margin. Yeah. That is worthy of paying attention to. Right. I think I was just way too distracted by Ferris, as I tend well, to be. Sure. So I'm glad you caught that. I did. Because that resolves something. Mm-hmm. And I think the same office that this scene is taking place is where Lois was making prank calls to Peggy. Yeah. So now we know it's Paul's office. Right. That makes sense. Ken like shows off this watch and he says it's Ham- Hamilton Electric. What time is it? What time isn't it? Hey. And I looked up Hamilton Electric because I've never heard of it. And it looks like in 57 it became like the first watch with a battery in it essentially. That was not... Uh, before 1957, all watches supplied power via a mainspring through either hand winding or kinetic energy. Ooh. But this used an energy cell no longer, no larger than a shirt button, and it marks the first step toward the modern battery-powered quartz revolution. Okay. So I guess it was a fancy watch back then. All right, now let me tell you the first line or first note I have written here about the next scene. Yes, says. 
Don talking to sex about London Fog. <laughs> and I don't know nice. why I wrote that or what uh-huh. that means. He was dictating to his secretary. Sex. Yeah. I meant to type sec. It auto-corrected to sex. I that like sex sense. better. <laughs> Don talking to sex yeah. about London Fog. When okay. is Don not talking to sex? Okay. Am I right? Okay, so still London Fog. And it's, you know, he's just given Allison, is her name, oh, okay. some notes. And then Lane brings him the minutes of the meeting that he walked out. Right. And Don says, aren't you wasting paper? <laughs> and then they have this argument, this back and forth about... Whether, you know, creative needs to waste as much office Pencils supplies as and they paper do. and whatnot, right. And Don says they waste paper because they throw out bad ideas. And Lane says they waste paper because they use it to sop up spilled drinks after their afternoon naps. Yeah. And I feel like we've seen Don, like, wake up and spill a drink on himself. Like, he, that's... Oh, we've seen all yeah, of them do that. Absolutely. And Don's like, well, you came to Sterling Cooper because we're better than you at this. And tells him to go and, like, have Burt Cooper and Harry Crane, like, designate all of these supplies as, like, media buy things. Right. Because they have a lot of money, and that's where all of the money is going to. Right. And you should think of the men's morale, not just your own. Yes. And Lane says, you've obviously seen Bridge Over the River Kwai. And Don says, I've seen everything. You've, you have my ticket stuff. Because <laughs> Don loves the movies. Are you familiar with Bridge Over the River Kwai? I know. It's like a war movie. It's a war movie. I and never like, watched it. Boring. Apparently, it's like one of the greatest movies of all time. Boo. It is every dad's favorite movie. It's my dad's favorite. It's one it's of It's not my dad's movies. favorite movie. Well. My dad was an old hippie, so. Yeah, I guess it just depends on your feelings on like men being men. I don't know what that means. I mean, I listen, know. my dad was in the... It's not that he's not a military man. Uh-huh. He was in the Navy. Oh, and interesting. And he's a toxic masculine person. He just doesn't like that movie. I don't think so. He doesn't really watch Has war movies. Has he seen it? I don't know. We should get him to see it. I think he'd like it. Well, that would mean talking to I him. I'm playing. I have no option for it. I just, I just want it to be true that every white dad in America loves Bridge Over the River Quiet. You should get your... Uh, your ex-husband to there watch we go. it. And your boyfriend. There we go. All these dads. White dads. White dads. We love you. <laughs> Some of you, anyway. And then we're back, and we see Pete is looking at maps, and he's, like, mapping out all these great jazz cities. <laughs> right. And his, his secretary tells him, Uncle Herman's on the line, and he is, like, he's freaked shook. out. He's like, he's like what? <laughs> Uncle Herman, are you okay? How's that? Whoever. Yeah. Is she all right? Yeah. And it's Duck Phillips. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's Duck. My real name's Herman. You know that. Actually, I have an Uncle Herman, and he's 91. (laughs) So Duck is in his new office. Same Duck's behind him. Yep. On the wall. But he looks different. How does he look? He's not in a suit. No. He's in like a little sweater Mm -hmm. and a button down underneath his little sweater. He looks much more cash. He looks like he'd be in a He looks like he'd be in a jazz city. A jazz city. I was thinking like a sunken living room. Okay, yeah, yeah, In yeah. a jazz city. Right, right, right. Yeah. In a jazz club. He, he, lo- he like, looks like he belongs in a jazz he's club. He's in a jazz club, but it's just white people who are playing the instruments. Mm. That's where Duck Phillips hangs out. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and he, then they all go and watch Bridge Over the River Quad. <laughs> he's a dad. He's a white dad. He's a white dad. So he is at a firm called Gray. Yeah. And he wants to take Pete to lunch and is like, haven't I always been on your side? Because... Duck did try to, 
he tried to make Pete his minion and he his did. tool. Uh, and he's trying to do that again, more or less. Right. So Don comes home. There's a lot of there's a lot of little scenes. There is. A lot of little fast scenes in little this episode. Ones. It goes fast. Don comes home. Phone's ringing. It's the teacher, Suzanne Farrell. It seems like there's no one home. He comes home. Yeah. It's silent. He's like, hello. Hello. And nobody is yeah. answering. So I'm like, oh, well, clearly Betty's already in labor. They're all at the hospital. You And he missed the memo. That's what I thought was You happening. knew that from the start. You thought that from the start? Yes. Okay. Because you were just like, when's this I was like, I cannot <laughs> look at this bed belly. I can't do I'm it. I'm going to interpret the reason Don was late to the meeting is because Betty had her baby. No? All right. The reason Don is leaving the meeting <laughs> is because baby ha- Betty had her baby. Like- <laughs> yeah. When the house was empty, I was like, yeah. well, nobody's home because right. they're at the hospital. But it, so we don't. Nothing comes of that for a minute. No. The teacher, Suzanne Farrell, is on the line. And she's wasted and horny AF. She's wasted. She's rumpled. Her bra's like Her bra's hanging out. Open. She's got sexy voice. She's yeah. Like, Hello, Don. Yeah. yeah. Why is she all breathy? It's strange. She's I mean, I get yeah. it. Everybody <laughs> wants to fuck Don. I get it. <laughs> he she's also like just a young, passionate teacher woman in uh like she was very sensitive to the medgar evers murder yeah which you know she is an aware person she's not like an old school marm type sure and yeah like i think i don't know that she's actively trying to seduce him how did you feel about their like relationship in this conversation it was flirty yeah she was like out the gate i literally said teacher drunk bar strap off sexy voice <laughs> like she i don't know yeah. if she's actively trying yeah. to seduce him but i think she right. got drunk mm-hmm. to get up the nerve yeah. to call him and the only reason she wanted to call him is because mm-hmm. he came into the classroom looking all sexy with yeah. his big old ham <laughs> and she was like oh shit okay i need to call this guy yeah well i mean she did she got him alone it was only by chance that betty didn't answer the phone yeah uh, and we find out her father had died when she was eight, mm-hmm. and she may have overdone it relating to Sally. She thinks that she alienated Betty by, like, grabbing her and relating right. to her. Now, I will say, so this is the third interaction we've, or, like, time we've seen Don and this woman together. Mm-hmm. And it's never gone beyond she's a teacher. Right. It's like there's a ton of tension there, but they haven't actually had that conversation or move that way well no i mean the first time we saw her she doesn't even notice him it's just him staring at her yeah and then he feels the grass and then he feels the grass reasons i just i just want to point like this is not one of those one of the normal don relationships where he immediately right (laughs) you know finger blasts like (laughs) it just hasn't developed right yes yeah it's coming attention it's coming oh yeah but then betty comes down and says it's time to go. Does She didn't look like she was really worried about having a baby at that moment. Let me tell you. Tell me about it. I can't. <laughs> Kate. What's up? I don't want this podcast to just be me <laughs> talking about how much I hate this woman's acting. And pretty much everything about her. Yeah. But I can't. I just wrote, this is the calmest labor ever. <laughs> and let me tell you, by the time you're having your third baby, yeah. 
it's like going down a water slide. It's like yeah. fast and furious. It's not like, oh. oh, it's time to go. It's like, motherfucker, we got to get in the car. We might oh, be having really? this baby in the car. You can tell. It goes so fast. Yeah. Yeah. The, the more babies you've had, yeah. the quicker they come. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. historically. Not always. Like, you know, of course they're Right. For, typically. Sure, sure, sure. Of course there are those outliers. Yeah. But generally speaking... Mm-hmm. Especially if it's baby number three. Yeah. It's just shooting right out of there. <laughs> you have primed that tunnel. It knows what to do. And it's like, whew. Yeah. And she just saunters downstairs. Yeah. It's time to go. And that kind of hurts. It's time to go. I I would like. She's carrying her own bag. Yeah. I. It, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't get any better. No. At no point through this do I actually think this yeah. woman is in labor having a baby. And as okay. somebody who has given natural childbirth, which yeah. is what she's doing up until the point they give her a little Demerol. Yeah. That's not what you look like. <laughs> That's right. not how it's happening. I, I appreciate this information. All right. That's all. I'm, I'm just, I, it's, I'm just mad. No, I like it. Because, like, for me, having not experienced it, I just see it and I'm like, there's something missing. And I don't you know totally what's know missing? what it is. Reality. There it is. <laughs> In reality, you might yeah. not be freaking out, but yeah. you're like, I'm in pain. Uh-huh. Maybe I'm clutching my belly. Yeah. Maybe I'm I'm arched over a little mm-hmm. bit. The Maybe. way Peggy did when she went into labor. You know? <laughs> I mean. Yeah. You know what don't feel good? Contractions. That I would expect that's true. Even the like little fake ones. Yeah. Even what I mean, I would have Braxton Hicks contractions, which are the fake contractions. Uh, that's fun. False labor. Just a little like extra treat for you. Yeah. <laughs> Starting at like 20 weeks, which is halfway mm. through. Wow. That's awful. Because a pregnancy is 40 weeks. Is that terrifying? Mm. If you don't know what it if is. If you don't know what it is, yes. Yeah. My first time around, I was like, Gee. Yeah. Uh, but once you know what it is, it's uh-huh. fine. But even those are uncomfortable. Yeah. Even those like make you catch your breath. Mm-hmm. You don't just be like, it's time. <laughs> it made me angry, and yeah. I don't want to be angry. All right. Well, how about, what if we, like, have a practice, you know, <laughs> that, like, when, okay, because we got a lot more seasons We need to set to some go. intentions. We need to set some intentions. All right. Betty's not going anywhere. Oh, I... I'm sorry. Okay. But we got five. Will she be pregnant again? Because this is the most angry I've been. I can't answer that question. It's I already fair. know the answer because John Hamm ruined it for me. <laughs> so I can trust that she will not be pregnant again. All right. Fine. So maybe this will be the last, it won't be the last time that I'm angry with her. It won't be. And so what <laughs> if, what if we just like have a moment okay. where we just like, we just point out the things yeah. that bothered us. Okay. But we don't feed the anger. Right? <sighs> okay. Where we're just like, and then Betty was Betty. And then Betty happened. Okay. And then, right. and, and so, because dear listener, we know we, we want to, we want to keep it fresh for you. <laughs> Especially January Jones. I know you're our number one fan. <laughs> and I know this is the hardest part. And I don't I don't want it to be hard for anyone. I want everyone to love it. And a lot of people really love January yeah. Jones and her acting. And I but you know, we can we can keep a lid on it. It's okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Well let me just say while also honoring the way you feel about yeah. it. Betty was being Betty. Betty was being Betty. Having that baby. Yeah. Don says it was no one doesn't tell betty who was she on the says phone. who was on the phone he yeah. says no one yeah why did he lie because he wants to get in her pants i mean he is his first reaction is always to conceal yeah. personal conversations with women yeah and lord knows betty is still suspicious so yeah so then we're at the hospital and there's like this one old lady nurse 
She's real crotchety. She's real crotchety and she's the one who deals with Betty the whole time. She's helping her into a wheelchair and is like, uh, Don, go move the car and then sit in the waiting room until Your the job baby is comes done. out. Yeah. Yeah. And so this whole episode was a real like clinic and look at how odd it was <laughs> to yeah. give birth in 1963. Yeah. Even at what was probably a very nice hospital mm-hmm. in Manhattan. There was that one interesting shot, some more interesting camera work here, Yes, where they start to wheel Betty away, and yes. there's the long shot of the hallway, and you mm-hmm. see Don standing in the hall. Mm-hmm. The nurse crosses, so she comes yeah. into the frame, uh-huh. and by the time she crosses out of the frame, yes. Don's gone. It's and Betty cool. looks back to yeah. like see him, but he's mm-hmm. already left the frame. And it's like, totally normal. Like, it... I can picture that would happen yeah. without anything weird happening. Right. But it's the first thing that Betty sees in a long, like the rest of the episode when we're seeing Betty's point of view, it's getting funky. It's getting weird. Because she's not even drugged yet. No. And the next thing she sees is her father as yes. a janitor in the ha- hallway of the hospital. Right. And she calls out his, like his name, calls out daddy daddy mm-hmm. and the nurse is like you can scream as much as you want here but in a second we'll be by the the nursery yeah you're not allowed to scream there yeah she is answering questions uh she tells the nurse she's not planning to breastfeed because of course that would ruin her perfect right uh you know let me tell you they get ruined anyway yeah whether or not you breastfeed yeah once them babies fill with milk mm-hmm. and deflate yeah. they're not the same I figure even if that's not totally it, it's like Betty's not planning to spend as much time with these babies. That's true too. As yeah. This baby's going to be no. spending a lot of time with Carla, and yeah. unless Carla's lactating, uh, it ain't happening. Yeah. She te- so I, this isn't a, a question I wanted to ask you. She says that what she had for lunch was toast, cottage cheese, and pineapple. Yes. And the nurse is like, pineapple? Yes. You stupid bitch. What were you thinking? What's the deal? So there's an old wives' tale that pineapple will send you into labor. Oh. That the enzymes in pineapple can spur labor. So when mm-hmm. you're um, when you're overdue or when mm-hmm. you're looking to, like, spur labor on, yeah. there are these different things you can do. Like, eat spicy food, mm-hmm. go for a long walk, ride on a motorcycle. Not really. Hey. But something like, you know, uh-huh. bumpy. And eat a lot of pineapple. So why would the nurse chastise her for it? If she's is she like that, I don't know. I don't think she's early. I wonder if the there was a different variation on the wives' tale back then or something. Yeah, that I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it it is related. It is related to to pregnancy. Yes, to pregnancy. That it'll and and so they say like don't eat pineapple when Mm -hmm. you don't want your baby to come. Right. So if you are not Mm -hmm. yet uh, in birthing time, right? Don't eat any pineapple. Yeah. And don't ride any motorcycles. Don't ride motorcycles. Don't eat yeah. sushi. Mm-hmm. Don't eat soft cheese. There's a right. lot of things you can't eat when you're right. pregnant. For different reasons. Because those are like health reasons, right? Right. Those are like mercury poisoning and botulism. Right. Um, deli meat. You can't eat deli meat. What's the point of living? You have to microwave it first. How am I supposed to eat my brie? Let me tell you. La- salami and California roll sandwich. It's hard. If As a girl who loves sandwiches... That's why I can never get pregnant. I know. As a girl who loves sandwiches before I was yeah. vegetarian and I would eat a ham sandwich yeah. all the time, yeah. to not eat deli meat was <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. And you know what's not good? Microwaved deli meat. Oh, no. Because the only way you can eat it is to microwave it first. No, don't right? do that. 
So you could have it like cooked. You could have like a grilled yeah. ham and cheese or something. But that's not what you want all the no. time. So Don is now in the waiting room, which they call it something else. Solarium. The solarium. Which yep. is, I don't know why. Medgar Evers is still on the news. Mm-hmm. And there's like one other guy there. And I wrote, Lisa Simpson calls out a name. Yes! I was like, who is this woman? I recognized her face, and I didn't know why, but yes, Yes, it's it's the voice of Lisa Simpson. Yardley Smith. Yes! Who was just, she like has her own podcast in addition to still being the voice of Lisa Simpson. Uh And so she was on I Said No Gifts with Bridger Weiniger. Which is a very, very funny podcast. Okay. And so, like, I, like, last week. Okay. Like, I, so I had just heard a whole interview with Yardley Smith. And I've been watching The Simpsons nonstop for, mm. like, three weeks. So this was very exciting for me. That is exciting. I've also, not related to Mad Men, but related to The Simpsons, been watching yeah. Dawson's Creek on Continue Netflix. Continue giving me a reason why that's related. Because <laughs> in, like, the... Season four, maybe season three, but definitely season four. Uh-huh. The principal of their high school yeah. is um, Homer Simpson. Dan Castellaneta? Yep. That's so cool. Yeah. Because those people are some of the most important actors of my life. Yeah. I, I can... I, Yardley Smith has a very distinctive, like, look and so and, and voice. And so right. I can recognize her when she's... But Julie Kavner? I have no idea what Julie Kavner looks like. I have no mm. idea what... Uh, who's Who plays Bart? Oh, God, what's her name? I don't remember her name. I can't believe I can't remember the name. I, like, I, I would know. recognize it in a second. And then Dan Castellaneta. Nancy Cartwright. Nancy Cartwright, of course, of course. What's-His-Face is in Arrested Development, briefly. And that's, like, the only place I remember seeing mm. him. He's the doctor that sews, like, Job's fingers on wrong. <laughs> like, he keeps doing, doing experiments. <laughs> you, you go in for, like, one thing and he right. does something else. Right. But I just, God, I love all of them so much. So Lisa Simpson calls out, like, Hobart, who says something, and she just says, that's good to know. Like, she's just super dismissive. So she says, Joseph Weedle, or Weidel, and he says, I'm Dennis Hobart, and she says, that's good to know. I I just wrote down, like, no names, and so I lost exactly. Yes. But yeah, she's... She's looking for Joseph Weedle. She is, like, another element of... Maternity wards in 1963 is apparently the fathers were just like, or, you know, whoever was waiting on the birth. Right. Not given any information. Right. Treated like garbage. Oh, yeah. Based on this one person. Right. And so Hobart, who is this, you know, other guy, wants to know if there's anything new about the baby or about the his wife. And mm-hmm. the nurse says, she's fine. The baby's breached. We're calling in a specialist, which is like... A major deal. Right. I know I was a breached baby. Were you? And my dad says that he just remembers the doctor saying, like, oh, shit. <laughs> and and then, like, running. Wow. Which is a great thing to hear when you're expecting a child. Right. I made it, guys. Don't worry about it. I'm here. You're doing just fine. And so she, like, kind of is like, didn't, you didn't give, uh, no one came to ask your permission? Well, you need to give permission right now. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just strong arms him and leaves. And then Hobart brings out some Johnny Walker Red because he thought there'd be a party in the waiting room. Right. And Don's like, it's not, but I'll have one. And he says, right now? And he's like, anytime you want. <laughs> he's been in there twice before, but he never thought to bring a bottle. Right. Don's, Don never thought to bring booze. He's really happy that there's booze. Oh now. yeah, he's all about it. He's yeah. like, third time I'm just chilling. <laughs> and the guy is like such a talker. He is. 
He's in uniform. Yes. He's in uniform. And at first I thought he was like military, but then mm-hmm. we find out he's a prison guard. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like just terrifying. I feel like a prison yeah. guard is a... I've seen criminal minds. Yeah. I saw a prison in 1970-something. My ex-boyfriend is used to be a prison guard. Yeah. Now he is the firearms trainer mm-hmm. for the other prison guards. Okay. So he's like the defense trainer. So not just firearms, but that's yeah. one of his main things. But he trains the other prison guards mm-hmm. in different defenses. Yeah. Okay. He sent me a video one time of the day where everybody gets tased. Yeah. Because, you know, like when you are given a taser, you have to be tased. Oh. Okay. That's true of like the police force too. All right. So mace, uh-huh. tasers, and stun guns. Yeah. Like if you're going to have them and use mm-hmm. them, you need to know what they feel like. Yeah. So yeah. Not they, real guns. Not real. You don't get real shot. Imagine no. if you did. I bet there'd be a lot fewer shootings. There'd be a lot fewer shooting <laughs> By police. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they uh-huh. never use the tasers on people. Because like, yeah. fuck, I know what that feels that's like. That's probably it. Yeah. You know? So the, the gunshot, real quick. Right? It makes me think of, there was a plan for the nuclear codes. Have you heard this? Like, I don't know that it was ever, like, an official plan, but it was something that's been suggested, uh-huh. is that for the president to get the nuclear codes, mm-hmm. they would be surgically inserted into another person, so the president would have to kill them oh my God. to get the codes out. Because you would want the person who is calling, you know, ordering the death of thousands and thousands of people yeah. to have blood on it. He will have blood on his hands. Right. Or her. so you gotta get started interesting all right so um i have an in real time oopsie daisy oh tell me about it it was not dan castellaneta okay who was the principal it was harry shearer oh yeah so all the other voices mr smithers and Mm -hmm. all those harry shearer and hank azaria i've spent the whole time trying to figure out which one is which Mm. in all of the different voices yeah and those two guys, like, they have acted the most just, like, outside of The Simpsons, so I can yeah. recognize them. In this infographic, he's Mr. Burns, Mr. Smithers, the principal, mm-hmm. um, the bus driver. Why can't I remember these names right now? Otto. Otto, thank you. Skinner. Dr. Hibbard. I feel like... Ned Flanders. Skinner is, like, what he sounds like in real life. Yeah. And then Hank Azaria, <laughs> I was thinking to myself, uh, Professor Frank is what Hank Azaria sounds like in real life. <laughs> So okay. don't worry about it, listener. That was my, I already still. found it. I already I did it. that oopsie daisy. I love it. Thank you. So he's a prison guard and he's just a talking a big shot. Thing. Oh, also, let me say real quick yeah. in this scene. So he, he pours him a drink. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'll take some. And he pours uh-huh. him a drink. Did you notice that Draper is a back shot, has his arm draped over the couch, yeah. just like the logo. That's fun. Yeah. That's the second time we've seen that now. I like it. The first time was when he was in waking up in California. Yeah. I, I think there was a one or two other times. Yeah. But I like that now that since we've started recording. Yeah. Since records have been kept. <laughs> <laughs> he's done it at least twice. Yeah. Was it Don who says your wife's in a boat and you're on the shore? He said, my daughter took forever. I was pretty worked up. And the nurse told me, just remember, your wife's in the boat. You're on the shore. Yeah. Which is not the f- only time he will quote someone else. Right. When he's ta- in this conversation. And so Hobart is like, 
asking if the other one is a boy because he really just wants a boy. Yeah. And asks if he throws the ball around and Don says, not enough. And then he gets all teary. Yeah. He looks teary. And then he tears a, an ad, ad out of a magazine. Yep. <laughs> I didn't catch what the ad was. I saw like a car. It was a car. I wasn't uh, paying attention to it. Who cares? We briefly see Betty. She's getting prepared for an enema. Mm-hmm. And just hears screaming. She's here. Yeah, she's here. She hears screaming in the next room. Mm-hmm. And they say, uh, I'll shave you and give you a quick low enema, mm. which they don't do anymore. Now it's just like poop away. Poop away. But it's, you're going to poop now or poop later. Yep. Go for it. Yep. All right. It's, it can be dangerous to give an enema. Yeah. How's well, it, you can get dehydrated. Oh, interesting. It can dehydrate you. That's because not of good. It, Right. And this bitch was sweating out buckets. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well. Already she was sweating and nothing had even happened. I like Like, that we've kind of reached the point of like recommendations for childbirth and child rearing. Yeah. Of like, do take your kids to see their grandfather's funeral. Yes. Don't get an enema. Don't get an enema. Don't uh, stand around when your water slide's about to have a new passenger. (laughs) That's just a succinct summary of what you were describing earlier. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. You nailed it. That's what I do. So Don, his watch has stopped. He says the good news is time has stopped. Yeah, because he doesn't have one of those fancy electric watches. He has has one you have to wind. Mm -hmm. And he didn't uh, wave his hand around enough or whatever it is you do. Yeah. And Hobart talking about how uh, if he wore a gold watch, he'd get attacked. Mm-hmm. And Don's like, really? And Hobart's like, mm, I knew you were going to ask me about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. You were just waiting. Everyone has a dream that they're going to end up in Sing Sing. So, or a nightmare or whatever. Yeah. So the fog, we have some f- different types of fogs that are kind of coming up, mm-hmm. I think. And so there's that dream, like it just talking about mentioning bad dreams. And then we see the two of them starting to connect with each other Uh and it's like they start off they're just like two guys don doesn't want to talk to him he doesn't want to like connect with this random prison guard that he's run into he just wants to look at the advertising and magazines yeah but some of that will dissipate Mm -hmm. and then we see betty truly going into like a almost literal mind fog yes in a bit so I wrote that Dennis Hobart is really laying it on thick. He was saying how some mm-hmm. of his prisoners played the Yankees. And Don jokes, everyone's in stripes. <laughs> because, like, you know, old-timey prison outfits were yeah. pinstriped and so are Yankees uniforms. I just want to point that out. He lays the foundation of prisoners in stripes. We'll talk about that later. Okay. And and then the prison guard's like, you're a, you're a funny one. I tell a lot of jokes at work. And uh-huh. it's just like, oh, my God. And then he gets real maudlin and he's like every one of them they they had a, their mother had them they were a baby and you know talking about prisoners and every one of them will blame their mom and dad and don's immediately like that's a bullshit excuse mm-hmm. why yeah. do you think he was so passionate about that he's a little drunk he is a little drunk but he's also being very honest he is a little drunk yeah i don't know i don't know i wonder if he is so if you have to, if you blame your parents for doing poorly, then he has to blame his parents for his success. Or it's that, or it's like, I had shitty parents and I'm not an asshole. That's also very true. You know, it's like, that's you can't blame your true. parents because if you want to mm-hmm. talk about shitty parents, look at my parents. I think that's And I'm right. not out being a criminal. Yeah, I, I, 
I moved on. You're that's the correct interpretation. Thank you. <laughs> no, like yeah, he. I I moved forward. Right. I got my shit together. Right. I have a string of beautiful brown-haired women I make love to. I stole an identity. Why couldn't you do that? Yeah, anyone could, with uh, a little luck and a dead captain, can steal someone's right. identity. Man, with a with a military pension mm-hmm. like mine, you could have been just fine too. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need. Yeah. Be an incredibly handsome white man with a fake identity, and you're and you're gold. fine. So we see a nurse is injecting Betty. And she is still in a lot of pain. I think she's like, please stop doing it. You're bad at injecting me. Yeah. I think they're trying to give a set an IV. Yeah, some kind of IV. But they're doing it up in her elbow, so I don't know. I think it was a syringe. Yeah, it was a syringe. The way she was talking about it, I, I, I think I'm remembering it was going through my head. It sounded like, you know, experiences I've had with donating blood. Mm -hmm. But it it, it was just a syringe. It was a big-ass syringe in her hand. It was. So... Well, she said she's going to give her a twilight sleep, mm. which I've had before for different yeah. little procedures. Okay. That shit is weird. Is it? Twilight is so, and they literally call it twilight. It's very strange because you are still awake, mm-hmm. but you're just, it, and it happens like instantly. As soon as they put it in, yeah. it's like, bam, uh-huh. and you're just relaxed. Yeah. You're kind of dozy, but you're awake and yeah. nothing, like you can feel pain a little bit, but you're kind of too out of it to really care. It's is it, not an anesthetic. Is it similar to like laughing gas? Have you had that? I mean, I not since I was a kid. Kind of. Yeah. I, I had a tooth pulled. Yeah. And they gave me the gas. Yeah. And it was like I saw exactly what was happening, and I remember thinking this would really be awful if I were not drugged up right now. Yeah. Like I, I saw it and I felt it. And there was some pressure, but it was yeah. like no pain. Yeah. No, you're just completely relaxed. Yeah. It's like. You're kind, yeah. You're kind of mm-hmm. half asleep, but you're awake. Yeah, it's very strange. All right, well, like that's... in the moment, it's not strange. In the yeah. moment, it feels totally normal. But afterward, yeah. you're like that. Was <laughs> weird. Yeah. Yeah. So she, Betty wants her doctor, Doctor Aldridge, but he's at Mama Leone's for his anniversary. Mm-hmm. I looked that place up. It's like an old school Italian restaurant, opened in 1906, served. A bunch of presidents. They still use, like, Eisenhower's steak instructions. Damn. Uh, Liz Taylor was turned away in 1960 because she was wearing slacks. Oh! But, like, Heavens Joan Namath Betsy. and President Carter and all these okay. different people have eaten there. Uh, in 1987, it moved, and there was a cool, there's a, I, I found an article in the New York Times when it moved. And one of the old waiters, he's, a waiter has been there for over 35 years, Silvio Seccarelli? I don't know how to do Italian pronunciation. So, I just really liked this line. He said, this place is like an old shoe. You never know if the new shoe is going to fit. Okay. And All like, right. that is exactly the anxiety I have about you, moving anywhere. Well, and you also have anxiety about shoes. I don't have a lot of anxiety about... I literally have ordered a new pair of shoes that are the exact same as the ones I have. Yeah. Like tennis shoes. And I'm worried about them. <laughs> so I get it. So Betty is worried that her doctor has been drinking because he's right. had this, you know, Italian thing for his anniversary. But, oh, also, Mama Leone's closed in 1994. Oh. R.I.P. Mama Leone's. But she's going to get the on-call doctor. Mm-hmm. And then the nurse tells her, you're at five centimeters, and then just... Well, because Betty's freaking out. She yes. says, I don't want the on-call doctor. I yes. want my doctor. Yes. I don't want this different doctor, mm-hmm. which... 
again, yeah. very different now because you know that, that you're likely not going to have your mm-hmm. doctor. And when you go to the OB, you have to see every OB in the practice. Oh, yeah, that's cool. On the off chance that mm-hmm. that's the one that delivers the night that you go into labor. I was not delivered by my regular doctor. I was no. delivered by Dr. Love. Hey, Isn't that's that? pretty cute. Who I think was like a Haitian man. <laughs> okay. I was a C-section baby. I may have mm-hmm. been breached. I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember the circumstances for why I was a C-section baby, but I know that I was, and I know that it was the middle of a snowstorm. Oh. I was born February 1st. In Michigan. In Michigan. I was born June 16th in Miami. Yeah. So opposite ends of Very the weather different. spectrum. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I was a C-section baby, and I think it was maybe because I was breached, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was Questions to ask. When we get your mom on the pod. There you go. We'll ask her all about... Your birth story. Perfect. That's what we want. I don't care that she's seen all of Mad Men now. No. We just wanted to talk about baby Ashley. I was born at 7, 11 p.m. That's fun. On February 1st. It was a Friday. I think I was born on a Friday, too. Yeah, that's why we're friends. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe at 9 p.m., but my mom yeah. disputes that. I don't okay. know. Well, they finally get this drug into yeah. her veins. And like I said, it's like instant because mm-hmm. she starts talking nonsense. Yes. As soon as they get this injected. About... Hebrides in school. Yeah, she's like, I'm on, I'm halfway to the other mountains. We're mm. studying it in chapter 12. But she's hearing the nurse say yeah. that. She's like, you're five centimeters yeah. and we're halfway to the mountains and we're studying it in chapter 12. <laughs> and as Betty falls asleep, she just says, Hebrides are islands. Yes. And, and, and it's really cool as the viewer because the nurse, you're just like seeing the nurse talking and she starts out speaking rationally. Right. But then without any indication that she's gone into la la land right she's just all of a sudden saying nonsense and that's fun so then there's the first of many like little dream sequences yeah little fogs the music me voy a morir de tanto amor you looked it plays up. i looked it up it's by alberto iglesias it's from 2001 it's from a movie a spanish movie called lucia y el sexto sexo Interesting. And the, the, the title translates to, I'm going to die from so much love. Oh, my. And the Matt Sawyer Sites article in Carousel points out that it's one of, like, very few times that, n- like, non-period appropriate music yeah. is played. Yeah. The only other time, really, or the other significant time being when the December songs played at the beginning of mm. the second season. Mm-hmm. So, it's really pretty. So, we see Betty, and she's in this, like, gorgeous little silky dress. Oh, it's beautiful. It's the yellow and this light lilac-y purple. And she's, like, at the height of thin and beautiful and hair done, walking on the sidewalk on just, like, a suburban street. It looks like she's in a green screen. Oh, it's a terrible green screen. But it feels like that's on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's meant to look off. It looks like when... uh, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins go into the chalk world. Yes. <laughs> and like, yes. She's like a little bit different and yes. a little more real than everything else. Yeah. And she looks happy and she's kind of looking around. And then this green caterpillar drops down from oh, a tree red. above her. Mm-hmm. And she puts it in her hand and she looks at it. And then her eyes flash. Yeah. She gets this real evil flash in yeah. her eyes. And she just like crushes it with her hand. Yeah. So what... An interpretation I read of this is like part of the fog that Betty lives in from day to day mm-hmm. are all of these expectations of her as a mother, as a wife, as a suburb, you know, in suburbia, mm-hmm. her 
breeding, her family, all of these things. And like that itself is something that clouds over anything she might truly want or feel. And so this is her like crushing mm-hmm. <laughs> that dream symbolically. Damn. So we go back to Don and Dennis and they're shaking a cigarette machine. And a little candy striper yeah. is helping. She's getting the cigarettes out of the like flap uh-huh. with her tiny little arm. Yeah. And Dennis thanks her, but then like kind of talks about her yeah. to Don. And Don, as always, does not want to talk about hot young women. Well, he's like, how old do you think she is? 16? Yeah. And Don's like, oh boy. Yeah. He, he doesn't speak up. But he doesn't, it's the same way that uh, when perpetually pregnant Patty's husband was talking about the babysitters that right. he can't keep his hands off of. Right. He didn't care. Hobart worries about his wife Pam dying in childbirth and asks, how can I love that baby? Yeah. He says, hard. you know, that's my girl in there. If something happens to her, I yeah. don't know what I'm going to do. And then there's that baby. How could I love that baby? Which is terrible. Don says, our worst fears lie in anticipation. Mm -hmm. And Dennis says, you sure about that? (laughs) And do you remember where that line came from? No, I know we'd heard it before. So that was from the London Fog meeting. Sal quoted it when the guy was... From Ballsacks. From Ballsack, exactly. (laughs) Um, I will also say, Don's mother died in childbirth. Right. So, I don't know. He's got a lot right. of thoughts about that. He does. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just like saying stuff. I don't have to tell you what it is. So then Betty is fighting with the nurse. Yes. Super agitated. Now she's in the bed. Yeah. But she's all sweaty. Clearly yeah. labor's been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. She's calling the nurse a bitch. Yeah. I want to go home, bitch. Where's Don? He's never where you want him, to, expect him to be. Right, because the nurse is like, he's out in the waiting mm-hmm. room. No, he's not. He's never where you expect him to be. Have you been with Have him? Have you been with him? She, like, is just like any woman around. That's what is on her mind, is that Don Well, because she's off. not in her right mind. It's That's true, but it's just revealing. Right, of, it's like truth serum. Exactly, exactly. And so, even though it's this woman who, you know, there's no reason to accuse this nurse of right. having an affair with Don, but that's just the where she is. And she says, I'm just a housewife. What are, why are you doing this to me? Well, because, well, because here's what it is. The doctor uh-huh. says she's seven centimeters. Yeah. She's beginning to transition. And transition is the hardest part of labor. Okay, tell Some me Some say it. it's harder than the actual pushing. Like, the pushing is hard. Mm-hmm. But the, the transition is when things are really opening up. Okay. So between seven centimeters and 10 centimeters and the baby's coming down and starting to like push down more, you get this really like Mm -hmm. intense pressure. Yeah. It's very painful. Very, very, very painful. Interesting. Like, you know, it's all painful, but the more centimeters you are dilated, the harder the contractions are. Yeah. And so transition is when women tend to go crazy. Really? Okay. Yeah. And it's like, that's where you get that insane screaming mm-hmm. that like, when I was in transit, it literally feels like you're being ripped in half from the inside. Like, wow. Cause I had asked yeah. for an epidural, yeah. but it took the anesthesiologist until the baby was literally coming out of me yeah. to get there. That's awful. I don't know why. Yeah. So, and I was induced. Mm-hmm. So that's an even tougher kind of labor because your body isn't you ready time. for it. Yeah. Right. Well, a lot of times an induction can take a long time. Okay. But mine took from start to finish, I think, six hours. 
which that's for your fast. first that's not slow. Yeah. Oh my god, for your first baby, that's insanely fast. Okay, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, crazy. I got there at six a.m. and he was out by noon. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, when transition comes, it feels like you're being literally mm-hmm. ripped in half. So she's like, "Why are you doing this to me? This is where all this like truth mm-hmm. serumy stuff is coming out because yeah. your brain cannot okay. function." I like I like that explanation. I've I'm mad. I've never heard the term transition. Like, I've never yeah. heard that explained before. And that's when the doctor says, push the Demerol. Oh. Because he says seven centimeters. Yeah. She's starting transition. Push mm-hmm. the Demerol. Give her more drugs because this yeah. is the hard part. So she had been given a little, had the little suburban dream. Now she needs They'd the given her drugs. the Twilight, yeah. which just it calms you. The yeah. Demerol takes the pain off. All right. Yeah. So Demerol, like, when women try now to, like, have natural childbirth yeah. without an epidural... They might still go for Demerol. Okay. Because it's not an IV. You're mm-hmm. not numb. Yeah. You can still feel things, but it, like, yeah. takes that edge off. All right. It's nice that there's a middle ground, I there guess. There is. Mm-hmm. Um, I will point out, do you recognize when she said, why are you doing this to me? That's what she had said to Don after she went through all of his clothes, and she's, mm. like, in her party dress on the bed. Right. And she's just like, I would never do this to you. Why are you doing right. this to me? So mm. it's just a callback to it pain, is. you know? Don put her through this pain, too, goddammit. And it's Don's fault she's here now. Exactly. Yeah. So Don is watching TV, and we can hear there's, like, vacuuming going on in the solarium. Mm-hmm. And Lisa wakes up. Dennis Lisa Hobart. Simpson. Yeah, Lisa Simpson comes over. And she's had a baby boy. So the baby, or the, the wife had a baby boy. Uh, the mother lost a lot of blood and had to have a transfusion. Yeah. Which, I'm guessing that's not, like, that's a bad thing. Like, obviously that's a bad, that's not a common thing in a birth, um, is it? It's, it unfortunately is common. Okay, it is common. Well, it happens all the time. Is it something that he should have been told about <laughs> before? That it could happen? Or that, like, your wife is losing so much blood, we're going to have to give her a transfusion? Well, it's unlikely that they could have told him before it happened because right. it's just like you're bleeding out you need a transfusion right not that they would have like asked i'm just thinking it was just such an afterthought that yeah. the nurse told him that yeah that it seemed I mean, more important than yeah she gave it back then yeah it probably happened exactly as it happened in real life okay. that you would just i got no the doubt. fact yeah i have no doubt that this is not that this is a realistic <laughs> Yeah. I mean, version. no, it is kind of common. Yeah. I would think maybe even more so back then. Unfortunately, it's still common now. All right. Like, especially in the U.S., we mm-hmm. have, I think, the highest rate of infant yeah. and maternal mortality. Yeah. It's crazy. Which, of course, is heavily weighted by the fact that uh, black people and other minorities in this country are given terrible, yes. both, like, prenatal yes. and... It's uh, it's the terrible care. prenatal care and then mm-hmm. the, the terrible, like... And this is true of just women in general, of yeah. just not believing women, yeah. you know, when they're saying mm-hmm. something is wrong. And then that's even more so if you're a minority, yeah. if you're a person of color, just not yeah. being taken seriously when something's wrong. I heard something I had never heard before, and it's really, like, the worst thing, is that even to this day, people generally, but it comes up with, like, medical students and doctors assume that black people don't feel pain as badly as white people yeah. do. And that's just the most horrifying thing that could yeah. ever be. Yeah. And I'm sure combine that with women and the actual pain of childbirth and like 
Right. There's no telling the things that are ignored. Right. So that's a damn shame. Uh, listener, donate blood. Yeah. And also, you know, read, don't, don't uh, educate yourself. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, so, you know, when you're pregnant and you get on the mommy boards or whatever, yeah. you know, different forums, there's a lot of times where women that you've been following for nine months, whatever, yeah. you find out, oh yeah, I had the birth, it went okay, but I needed a liter of blood, I needed two liters of blood, wow. whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. I'm very lucky that I've never mm-hmm. needed that. Um, I lost a lot of blood with my... With Dorothy, my yeah. first C-section, but I was fine. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you made it through, honey. Thank you. <laughs> it's scary. I mean, that Having is a baby so is scary. scary. There's so many things that can go wrong. Yeah. And so many things that you can anticipate and a million others that you can't. Right. And, yeah. uh, and after that, you have to just take a brand new human home. Right. Well, Don- Dennis is very happy. He tells Don, you're all right, Don. I'm sure yours is going to be good too you know what i know it know it and you're an honest guy believe me i'm an expert (laughs) and then he gets real maudlin again he says why do they put up with us like like he's like i don't believe in god so i'm just gonna tell you oh yeah i'm gonna be better i'm gonna be a better man tell me you heard me and don like all up in his face yeah and don like turns to him his eyes are like red and he's like i heard you Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering like is don considering being a better man i would fucking hope so yeah <laughs> because he's saying you know we don't deserve us this is a fresh start yeah they we don't deserve them yeah i'm talking about their wives which is true 100 percent. yeah and clearly because he before when he's talking about working mm-hmm. uh in the prison he's like you know i got to be really careful not to take this stuff home yeah and now i'm gonna have a little baby there yeah you know it's hard to switch gears when you get home after being around these animals all day i if i had to guess i would say dennis hobart beats the shit out of his wife yep for sure. Yep. And probably is going to beat the shit out of that little boy. Yep. Like, no offense, prison wardens, but look at this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. This guy in 1963. Yeah. And just the things that he's saying. The, exactly. The things he's saying. Yeah. Absolutely. Why do they put up with us? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a better man. Yeah. It's a fresh start. Yeah. It's, this is a real one-sided, drunken story here. Yeah. So Betty's really struggling, and she's like... I can't, I don't know what she's, they're expecting her to do, but she can't do it. She they're expecting her to push. Okay, she's pushing. Yeah, the nurse is saying, don't fight the urge yeah. to bear down. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, I can't there do we go. it. Yeah. I can't do it, which is what all pregnant ladies say when you yeah. have, it comes time to push. Do all the nurses say, either you can do it or we will? Kind of. All right. I mean, I, I either like, she's pushing that baby yeah. out or they're cutting her I know. open. I really liked that line. I thought it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's a really good point. Yeah. But then we're back in the dream music. Yeah. Betty's in a hospital gown walking down the hospital hallway. And then it kind of turns into she's back in her maternity smock walking mm-hmm. into her own kitchen. And she sees Jean mopping again. Yeah. In she, the hospital uniform. Yeah. But there, he's just like in the in Draper, the Draper house kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. And is like telling her that is, is rejecting Betty. Is like, I don't know you. She, he's like, who are you? And she says, mm-hmm. it's me. Yeah. yeah. And then he comes, he turns around. He's got kind of like a smile on his face. And he's like, I had to go away. And she asks if he misses her. And she, he says, of course, nobody knows I'm here. And then we see he's mopping up blood. Yeah. And she asks, because she's probably losing blood at this point. Mm-hmm. And she asks him, am I dying? And he says, ask your mother. Tell her, Ruthie. And then we see Betty's mom for the for first time. For the first time. time. Mm-hmm. 
And she, it's, I mean, it's this woman who's got kind of an older style about her. Because we know Betty's mom probably never had a hair out of place. Right. It was just very prim and proper. But she's standing behind this black man who's sitting at the table. She's got his, her hand on his shoulder. Yeah. And he's just kind of, he's in a suit and he's kind of looking down. He has a small, you know, a little thin mustache. And she says, Elizabeth, shut your mouth. You'll catch flies. Betty says, I, I left my lunch pail on the bus and I'm having a baby. <laughs> And then her parents are really mean to her. <laughs> well, she the mom says, you see what happens to people who speak up? Yeah. And she takes a rag off of the black man's shoulder, and it's covered in blood. Yeah. So clearly this guy has been shot. Mm-hmm. Now, are we meant to believe that this is Edgar... What's his name? Medgar Evers. Medgar Evers. A hundred percent this is Medgar Evers. Yeah. It even resembles... You know, it's not exactly him, but right. he's dressed up like him. Right. And, like... This has just been in the news constantly and right. in this episode. It's just been saturated with Medgar Evers. And and so it's like, yeah, stay in your place. Medgar Evers, he spoke up for what was right or what he believed in. Yep. And look what happened to look him. Look what happened to him. And of course, her mom doesn't want her to stand out like that. You're a house cat. You're very important and you have little to do. Yep. Which is, that's what her, her dad says. And it's... It's a great line, but it's also like very just deflating yeah like this is you're just here to be pretty and have babies have babies and you know let people pet you yeah when when they want to so then she wakes up and she just got a baby in her hands so this was really interesting the way they did this was beautiful so there's a lot of really interesting shots in this episode yeah so the shot is of the hospital room Mm -hmm. you can't you don't it's not the room she was having the baby in this is clearly not the delivery room it's the like after suite or whatever you want yeah. to call it and you just kind of see like the um dresser mm-hmm. kind of chair and a lamp and you see light filtering through the blinds yes you see the shadow on the wall of the blinds and the light filtering through and you can tell by the way the light filters through that it's going from day to mm. night to day again oh so you can tell that it's like it was daytime then yeah. nighttime happened now it's morning i must have just completely missed that it was beautiful the way they did it okay just the way the light filters through the blinds mm-hmm. in this room and it kind of like cascades over the wall yeah is very pretty and very dreamy yeah. it's like this is how she's coming out of this dream state mm-hmm. and also stripey it's very stripey very stripey which is possibly like prisony mm-hmm you know, another, having another baby is another 18 years on your sentence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then she opens yeah. her eyes and there's yeah. a baby in her arms. Yeah. With How a little beautiful. blue knit cap. What a beautiful way to bring a new baby into the world. Right. And she says she's beautiful. And for the first time we learn that she actually had a boy. <laughs> because up to this point, all signs were like, it's going to be a girl. Yeah. She's a girl. We love this girl. Don asks, how do you feel? And the first thing she says is, I need to put my face on. Yeah. Betty, you look beautiful, Bets. And she says, Gene, his name is Eugene. And Don says, we don't have to decide that now. <laughs> Don does not want to name this kid Gene. No. No. But Betty, it's the first thing she thinks of. Yep. Because it's, we see later the birth certificate. And we it's do. what, the 25th of June? Um, 21st. 21st. It's the 21st of June, so that's 10 days after Jean died. Right. Baby Jean, or baby to be named Draper, yeah. is now yeah. in the world. And there's another beautiful mirror shot. They love yeah. their mirror shots. What do we see in the mirror? So 
it it's back out of the room. You just see the mirror. You see Betty in it. And then Don leans in to give her a kiss on her head. Mm. And so you see the two of them in the mirror. And then he stands up again. And it's back to just Betty. Mm. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. We're back in the office. We see Don's secretary, Alan. Excuse me. Allison. <laughs> she has a nice coral, like a skirt suit on. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a very pretty color. That was cute. Mm-hmm. And... There, Don goes into his office. There's a ton of baby gifts in there. Right. And then Roger calls him. And we see Roger doing something silly again. Oh, Roger. He's got he's eating a hot fudge sundae. And he's got a napkin in his shirt while he's sitting at his desk. <laughs> and he just says, dad, dad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Don picks up the phone. He says, Roger. And Roger says, dad, dad. <laughs> <laughs> and he needs uh, the baby's initials so that Jane can put them on a yacht or something. Right. Right. But uh, Don's like, oh, we don't know what the kid's name is yet. <laughs> but the art department can't move forward without his approval. And he's like, I was just gone half a day. But don't forget, Baby had the baby. Betty had Betty, the baby. Baby had the Betty. Baby had the Betty. Not Butter you. had the baby better. <laughs> better butter. Not yeah. you. We're at lunch with Duck all of a sudden. But Pete's not there. Who's there? Peggy. Peggy's there. What did you think when you saw Peggy at the table? Well, I thought Duck's up to shenanigans. <clears throat> He's doing the old switcheroo. Mm-hmm. Betty compliments his turtleneck. And then Pete walks in and he's like, ugh, boy. Yeah. What's this now? He's not on board with this. Mm-hmm. She looks a little surprised, but then it turns out she had, like, maybe he had told her when she got when there. When she got there. Duck convinces Pete to sit down and have a nosh and... Pete says, two months at Gray and you're already having a nosh. Mm -hmm. So we know that Gray has Jewish uh, people working there. And so there's just a little light anti-Semitism just thrown in about how you're not allowed to use Jewish words or else you're (laughs) going to be a bad person. So Duck woke up one day and had a realization. You You two two have a secret relationship. (laughs) And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I think we had to pause it because we were both laughing so hard at that line. <laughs> yeah. Pete's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But, of course, Duck is not referring to romantic liaisons right. or a common child. Right. A secret baby. Yeah. Uh, Pete handled Freddie Rumson so that Peggy could move up. So he reported Freddie's... Pissing himself to Duck, which right. got Freddie fired, which allowed Peggy to move up. And that kind of focused ambition is rare in advertising. There we go. That's what he says. I have a lot of half-written quotes here. <laughs> he wants to take them to the promised land where they're just sitting on velvet pillows surrounded by awards and eating bonbons and just being, you know, creative being creative and accounts being accounts. Yeah. Men being men and women being women. Yeah. They both kind of want... Peggy wants asks if they can go separately. <laughs> right. This, is this a well, package deal? <laughs> first, well, Pete says, I'm not going anywhere. Well, yeah. she can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, we're not going anywhere there. And they say, well, she can. And then she says, do we have to go together? <laughs> <laughs> and Pete says, if you want to woo me, you have to buy me my own lunch. So he's like insulted that... He... I think he was interested until the moment he saw that Peggy was there and he doesn't like being in the same category as Peggy. Well. Partly. He talks later about why he's so perturbed. Yes, yes, yes. He was uneasy before he even went. He was uneasy before he went, but he also always wants things for himself. He's always already having yeah, to share, have accounts true. with Ken. That's true. And now he has to share being poached with Peggy. 
who's like, right. I'm sure he's like, Peggy, just, you know, I've been here longer than her. Right. I'm more important than her. I'm a man. These are all the things that Pete believes. Yeah. So he leaves, but Peggy kind of sticks around and Duck encourages Peggy to strike while the iron is hot. This could be your time. Yeah. He says, you're a freewheeling career woman. Mm. Am I wrong? With great ideas. And like, no... Nothing holding you down. You right. don't have a job, a mortgage. You don't have a kid or a husband. You right. just got you could go good anywhere. ideas. You can go wherever you want. Which is like the kind of encouragement that Peggy is very susceptible to because she is, uh, you know, a very talented person who's just yeah. been doing nothing but moving up. So it's reasonable for her to assume that she could. So we see Pete in an elevator. Mm-hmm. And he wants to talk to Hollis, who is the black elevator operator who's been around since... Uh, Peggy complained about getting her wallet stolen right. and got the last operator fired. And Pete asks, says, well, let me ask you something, Hollis. What type of TD, TV do you have? He has a black and white RCA. He doesn't know, see any difference between that right. TV and other TVs. Right. So, right. Pete says, why did you get it? And yeah. he says, to watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> why RCA specifically? Mm-hmm. I didn't see a difference, I guess. Well, you know, a lot of Negroes prefer Admiral. I've done research. And Hollis is like, I don't know what to tell you. Right. <laughs> I, I an have RCA. an RCA. Do your friends buy admirals? Look, this is important. I want to have an honest conversation. He wants to break through the fog and have an honest conversation with Hollis. Yeah. And Hollis doesn't want to get into trouble. Right. He's like, look, it's just you, Hollis, and me, Mr. Kent. Like, Hollis is like, I'm not going to call you Pete. We're not, right. we're not playing this game. Pete asks, do you think I'm a bigot? I just want to know why you bought your TV. And Hollis says, he breaks through and he says, I don't even watch the damn thing. We've well, got he's, bigger problems. Than yeah. He's he's yeah. getting worked up. I think he's a little bit nervous. Yeah. And Pete had like stopped the elevator. Right. And so he's mm-hmm. like, whoa, man, you're going to get me in trouble. Yeah. I, any little thing, even if it mm-hmm. isn't my fault, is going to get me fired. Of course it is. Right. And we are in the middle of like this very hot moment where right. there was a major assassination of a civil rights leader. And right. so... Tensions are high, and he has very strong interest, I would assume, in both being safe, keeping his job, and the fact that, like, the stuff that's playing on TV is not for him. Right. It, there's, as we find out later, advertisements are not for black people. It's not like there was, you know, UPN or BET. It it would just be him watching Doris Day. Right. Who was I thinking of? I don't know. Donna Reed. Oh, Donna Reed. I was yes, thinking of that yes. Gilmore Girls. Yes, uh, right, right. Pete tells him, "You're thinking about this in a very narrow way. Everybody's gonna have a house, a car, the the American dream." And Matt Zoller Sice wrote that it was a statement so thick with unexamined premises that Hollis doesn't dignify it with a response. Right. The idea that having the right TV will all of a sudden like this is the future for black people. All you need to do is just right. like, that is not the American dream, which listener, black people can't get the American dream. No, it's being kept from them. The, the American, Lit- I mean, the even American now. dream is white people having a white society. Like right. that is the American dream. It eliminates black people. Exactly. The American the dream. dream was built specifically to keep yeah. black people out. Yeah. I mean, buy a house, there's red line. Right. You can't. Mm-hmm. You literally cannot. Yeah. It's, 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 oh, those are all those unexamined premises. Right. <laughs> that, that are not being. And he just blinks uh, at him. Yes. And he just starts the elevator again. Pete says, it's my job. And Hollis makes a joke. Yeah. He says, every job has its ups and downs. <laughs> 
And then Pete says, you don't watch baseball. I don't believe you. Right. And they end up kind of cute. Yeah. Pete definitely has started thinking about Hollis, like, as a person. Right. He initiates it with Pete's famous strategic business thinking, but he does at least want to understand Hollis at some level, but he feel, he knows he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Matt Zeller-Size points out, in the very first episode of this television series, we are introduced to Don when he is ta- He asks a busboy, what kind of cigarettes do you buy? A black busboy. Mm, right, right, right. And he asks him, why did you buy those cigarettes? Right. And he's like, I, I just always smoked them. Or whatever. You know, they gave them to him in the army, and then right. he just kept smoking them. Because right. he's doing research for Lucky Strike. So he was just asking another man, but still, it's that one person survey of you know all black people this is not a great research technique pat pete you are so interested (laughs) in research i think asking the one black person you're going to interact with today right not the best solution right should probably take a course on that we're in this is a real awkward scene you i really am curious about your thoughts on this so what happens is we see betty from the outside of the hospital she's got the baby and she's, like, just in the window looking down. Don has the other two kids, and they're just staring up and waving. And waving. And Ashley, Don does, like, one wave, and Ashley giggled real hard. <laughs> and I just would love to hear your thoughts on this <laughs> interaction. <laughs> yeah, I reacted to this, and then you looked at me and giggled. Because I could tell you were like, I can't wait to hear what she's writing right, right well, now. Well, I hope you wrote something good. Uh, well, I didn't. Well, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I've been waiting for this for like 36 hours. I know. So if it's not good, uh, you might like it. You might right, like it. All right, let's First of all, the way Bobby waves okay. is so robotic. Oh, okay. It's right, left, right, <laughs> left, right, left. And that like a, was very. Like a bus windshield wiper yes. is what Ashley's yes. arm is doing now. Um, and that was funny to me. Just like, how, how are you a bad actor at waving? <laughs> Right? Like, I can understand portraying emotion, yeah. but everybody waves. Yeah, you've waved before, Bobby. You've waved you've before. You've been to a parade. You're eight years old. You've seen, like, Santa Claus right? walk by. But then it reminded me of, like, this whole scene uh-huh. of, like, somebody up in the window and people down and, like, looking down at the waving reminded me of the episode of The Office uh-huh. where they're making their own commercial. Yes. And then Michael's <laughs> like, what, the the waving thing? That's what we got to do? And the yeah. ad guy's like, we don't got to be waving. You could be clapping uh-huh. or pointing or whatever. Yeah. And they end up just awkwardly waving. And that's what it reminded me of. I... That that image certainly flashed through my because it's like the same angle it's looking the same down. Same angle, yes, yeah. and very awkward. Yeah. And Michael is waving like Bobby is waving, <laughs> just like this is waving. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't want to be here, and I don't want to be here. But mostly, I was like, Bobby, how are you? Such a bad wave <laughs> actor. I yeah. don't understand. Uh huh. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So we're back home. The family's back at home. Don is doing some classic night cooking. He's we've making s- corned beef hash. We've seen him make warmed over milk. Yeah. That was the very first episode. Not ever. So that was when Betty was pregnant. It was when she was pregnant. Oh, this is when you knew she was still That's pregnant. That's how I knew she was still Right. I thought season yeah. three would open with the baby already born. But this was the, oh, it was the first episode of season this three. This season, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like maybe a way to close... The... Yeah, it was a very similar shot, yeah. too. It was like a close-up of his belly mm-hmm. in jammies yeah. with the pot stirring something. Yeah. yeah. I believe it was corned beef hash. It was, This time was corned beef hash, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. That was just the bones of it was stirring something. Yes. Love it. Yeah. 
I love how we're on the same page about everything. <laughs> I like how we have the same brain, but pretty much opposite ears. Like you hear half of the stuff, and I hear yeah. the other half of the stuff. It's yeah. good. So Sally comes downstairs and sees her dad cooking and says, "I didn't know you could cook," because he only cooks in the middle of the night. Yeah. And he says that mommy's much better at it. And Don picks up an egg and looks at it in the light. Yeah. Have you ever seen that happen? I mean, maybe in TV. I've never done it. I, I have no recollection of this ever being a thing, even in this in Mad Men. Mm. I think they just inserted this episode when they this scene. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Okay. So Sally asks if you were looking for a chick, and Don grew up on a farm, so like I'm guessing. Their eggs just come out, and they just get eggs, and some of the eggs have chicks in them already, and some yeah. of them are ready to eat. I don't know. Yeah. But she had learned from her teacher, which who she comes up again, Miss Farrell, that you don't need to check if it's from a store. Right. But sometimes, if there's veins, you shake it, and that's called addling. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I don't about. know. <laughs> it was weird. That whole thing was weird. She asks, is the baby's going to live in... Is the baba going to live in the baby room? (laughs) Is the baba going to live in the baby room? Bobby, 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 Bobby. Bobby, 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 Bobby. (laughs) The Bobby alarm goes off. They're like, ah, goddamn. So is the baby going to live in Grandpa Jean's room? So she still thinks of this room as Grandpa Jean's room. Right. But Don says it's not Grandpa Jean's room. It's the baby's room. It's the baby's room. Which is a yes. It will. Right. And she thought it was going to be a girl. And Don says, I thought you were going to be a boy. Not all surprises are bad. Yeah. Is that a line that's happened before? I don't know. Don tells her that everything is going to be fine. Is Sally worried about something in this scene? Well, I think Sally is just overwhelmed. Grandpa yeah. just died. New mm-hmm. baby just came. That's all. I mean, yeah. already that's a huge shakeup when a Absolutely. new baby comes home. Mm-hmm. That kind of throws everything out of whack. Mm-hmm. So I think he's just saying, like, you're feeling a lot of things right now, but mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Well, that's what Miss Farrell said. That's what Miss Farrell said. And he says, then I guess it must be true. Yeah. Because I want to bone her. <laughs> that was the subtext. That was. But Don's not going to tell that to Sally. He's not going to tell it to Sally. He no. might tell it to Bobby. I mean. Because he knows that yeah. kid's dumber than a box of rocks and, and he's he, not going to say anything. He's got to man him up somehow. Exactly. He needs he's to... like, I saw that awkward wave, dude. <laughs> come on. Yeah, come You're on. never going to get a girl like that. You can't. It's the truth. Robotic wave. Yeah, we got we to gotta suave you out. Mm. You're a draper boy. Right. You're going to need to be more attractive very soon. Mm-hmm. So, I guess Betty is still in the hospital because Don is taking flowers to the hospital. Yes. Dennis Hobart is pushing his wife in a uh, wheelchair uh-huh. past him. But, like, and Don smiles at him, but Dennis, like, puts his head down and doesn't yeah. really acknowledge him. He kind of gives him a dirty look. Why do you think that? I is? don't know. That was mysterious itself. It was mysterious. And even Don is like, huh, that's weird. Here's a question Do you think Dennis was, like, embarrassed that he'd been that? It wasn't a look Personal? of shame, though. Okay. It was, like, the, the look he gives Don is like, fuck this guy. Yeah. He kind of, like, furrows his brow and then mm-hmm. looks away. Sometimes that's how shame is expressed. Maybe. Especially for a man with who doesn't want to take his prison work home from him. You know, it, Maybe. it's that kind of thing of, like, somebody has seen the real you and then you just avoid having to deal with it by beating them up or getting really mad. You know how you beat people up? I beat, I mean, I know I how know. I beat people yeah. up. 
I, I just feel like sometimes that kind of like embarrassment of going outside of your comfort zone can turn into anger, like yeah. turn into fear and anger and stuff. So I maybe it's the I only thing I can think of. Yeah, because Don very strange kind of like looks like, huh? That was weird. Like yeah. Don expresses odd uh, yeah. reactions. Yeah, him. he's like that was really strange. Yeah. And that's all that we see of Dennis ever. Like that doesn't come up again. So. We're in the meeting with the Admiral Television executives. Pete is presenting. Uh, but first, they're just talking about gossip about Burt Peterson. Yeah. Raging and, like, peeing on stuff. The and... way he, yeah, they've got all these rumors. Yeah. About how he was, how he, what he did when he was fired. Yeah. Right. And they don't really dispel any of them. They're just like, I mean, he was pretty wild. Right. Just, that's how it goes. So, Pete presents like it's new information that he has discovered that black people are buying admiral televisions and the executives are like yeah we know right and he's like you do yeah i mean of course you do right (laughs) (laughs) and he suggests put them in ebony you know put ads in jet put ads in black newspapers right shift the media budget um from these markets that are not growing to these other ones you're going to get more bang for the buck in different parts of the they country. They cost less. Yeah. The same ad will cost less money mm-hmm. in these other markets. Exactly. Or, hey, why don't we just integrate the ads? And one of the execs says, I don't think that's legal. Right. Like, of course it's legal. Right. The execs are just super, they don't want to be associated with black people. No. They don't want, they're not going to put black people in their ads right. for white people. Of course not. Because... Who's to say Negroes aren't buying Admiral televisions because they think white people want them? Right. Which is just an incredible... It's just a It's just a very small-minded assumption. And it's similar to Pete thinking that Hollis would want the American dream. Right. That, like, black people are just striving to be... Right. ...like white people, which is still a very common thing that... It's just assumptions that we make... Because we just figure we're at the top of the heap. Why wouldn't anyone want to be like us? Right. We do things the best way. Right. It's not true. It's not true. Pete's shot down. Then we've got a nice aerial shot of Don splayed out on the couch. Mm. Like he likes to do. He was pretty splayed out in the solarium waiting earlier. Yeah. And Peggy comes in. With a little baby gift. She's got a little baby gift. It was sweet. Mm-hmm. She says it's clothes. I know he doesn't need it, but don't return it. Yeah. I was a second born, and everything I got was hand-me-downs. It's so nice to have something new. <laughs> she understands. Mm-hmm. And also, everyone else went in on baby gifts and didn't tell her about it. And she says that earlier in the scene with Duck. She says, you know how it's like over there. Nobody buys me lunch, or nobody invites yeah. me out to lunch. Yeah. So she's feeling very left out. That's very true. She's feeling very left out in this mm-hmm. workplace. And this scene is one of, it's not the first time we've seen Don uh, and Beg, Peggy negotiating about her job, mm-hmm. but it's one of the, one of the first ones where they're not really on the same page, mm-hmm. where it's not like she comes out feeling better about herself with more money. Mm-hmm. So she tells Don that her secretary, secretary doesn't respect her because she only makes $71 a week more. And Paul Kinsey does the same work, or, like, worse work. Right. And makes more money. And I don't know if you read in, in the paper, but they passed a law that men and women do the same work, who do the same work, have to make the same pay. Which was an interesting, like, it felt kind of like that's the way 
It felt juvenile the way that they kind of inserted that. I read it in the paper that they, mm. they passed a law now and you pay well, the same work's got to make the same pay. Right. Obviously, I support it. <laughs> it was just like a clumsy way. It just felt yeah. clumsy. The Equal Pay Act of 1963 was signed into law by John F. Kennedy on June 10th, 1963, shortly before the episode takes place. Mm. So June 11th was the day that Gene died. Right. June 10th. So we've got the Equal Pay Act... We have the Civil Rights Act. Right. And then just now that was referred to, uh, well, it, it, it came before the Medgar Evers murder. Right. Then we have Pete telling the Admiral executives that it is not against the law to integrate <laughs> advertisements. Right. Um, so it's like this episode is really going into, or or, or it's, it's dipping its toe a lot more into the civil rights movement and just into the general shifts that were happening at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. And the Kennedy administration particularly was the start of the 60s, and Mm -hmm. we kind of see it happening here. So Don says, it's not a good time. I'm fighting for paperclips around here. Right. And Peggy kind of like goes off into her own little reverie dream and she starts kind of fondling the baby shoes that were wrapped on one of the baby gifts. Mm-hmm. I think they're the one she gave. And she's just, you know, saying third time, must be old hat. And just pointing out to Don, because Don is the only one that, other than Pete, I guess, right. now, who knows that she had a baby. And she says that I look at you and think, I want what he has. You have everything and so much of it. And so she's like... Why why are you being so stingy? Like you you have everything right. you want. You have the you have the American dream. Right. You literally have not mm-hmm. only do you have everything, yeah. but you have all of those things in abundance. You have three children. You have three children. You have a house and mm-hmm. it's a giant house. You have a car yes. and it's a fancy car. Yes. You have a salary and it's a huge salary. Yes. You have a wife and it's a beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. Literally everything you have is in yeah. abundance. Yeah. And and here I am just struggling and no one no one treats me well. Like no, no one is is giving me any reason to stay. Mm. And Don doesn't realize that the unsaid thing is like there is somebody who is wooing me, and right uh, might actually give me what I'm worth. He says, "What do you want me to say?" And she says, "I don't think I could have been any clearer." Yeah, I told you what I want. Yeah, but also let me tell you, she's rocking the hell out of the dress she's wearing. Yeah, it is so cute. Tell it me is about like it. teal. <laughs> I won't even argue. Or whatever color you want it to be. And like. You know what? That's growth right there. I love that. (laughs) It is some shade of blue green. Beautiful. And like a limey green and cream, Mm -hmm. but it's plaid. Mm. Like a big, bold plaid. Mm -hmm. It is so cute. And it's got like a little bow situation at the waist. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) We like it. It's real cute. I was paying attention to her hair because it was kind of pulled back in a different way. Okay. I couldn't tell if I liked it or not. I didn't notice her hair. See? I was drooling over the dress. And we got two different eyes, too. There we go. There you go. Yeah. So she's really disappointed in John. Like, he's like, you didn't, you're not doing what I thought you would do. And he says, you see what's been going on here the last six months. So he's, like, appealing to her, like, since Putnam Powell and Lowe came, we don't have money to spread around. Right. But she's also like, but look at all of this waste, you know? We're, We're wasting money all the time. Right. And you can't give me a little more money a week. What if this is my time, she says. Because that's what Duck told her. It's her time. 
Yeah, she she's like walking out. Yeah. And she's like, I'm just gonna say it. What if what if this is it? And she really doesn't want to leave. She doesn't want to leave this office with this being the end of the conversation. Right. Or Sterling Cooper, but she doesn't want to waste herself. So Pete sees her walking out of the office and assumes that the worst for him mm-hmm. and asks, where are you going? And she says, the ladies room. You want to join me? She's, she's a bit of a, she's a bit of a roasting comic sometimes. She is, especially with Pete. Yeah. Yeah. When she's great. She got the office because I'm sleeping with Don. It really was working out for me. Like, right. She, she's, maybe it is just Pete that she's like, doesn't. There's a different level of comfort once really you've is. given away someone's baby. Truly. You've got a <laughs> bit of power that you don't have to. You've got a to... little bit. Listen, yeah. once you've decided that you're going to mm-hmm. give someone's baby away without yeah. telling them, uh-huh. you can roast them a little. Right. Because Feel free. you have the ultimate roast. You have the <laughs> ultimate roast. <laughs> no matter what they come back at you with, you can always just be like. Boom, roasted. Boom, roasted. Meredith, you slept with so many men, you're beginning to look like one. Boom, roasted. <laughs> That's maybe one of my favorite lines from The Office. <laughs> that and I don't, you can't fire me. I don't work in this van. <laughs> when Dwight has the concussion and they're, that, that whole episode, The Injury, yeah. is my favorite ep. Okay. And that is maybe my favorite line from that ep where okay. they're driving him to the hospital uh-huh. and he's trying to drink the booze that's in the back of Meredith's car. Yeah. And Jim is just spraying him with a spray bottle. <laughs> And then he's also spraying Michael because he's yelling at him. And Michael's like, I'm going to fire you. And Toy says, you can't fire me. I don't work in this van. That's one of my favorite lines. That's but then also line. the boom, that whole boom roasted it's sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Man, the office is funny. It's like Peggy says one kind of funny thing. And we're like, oh, my God, this is funny. The office is just joke, 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 joke. It's like it's uh, meant to be that way. It's almost like. It's a comedy. It's almost more than like a drama. That. Right, right. Eh, right. I wouldn't go so far as to say it is. So Peggy, uh, Pete is worried that Peggy will tell Sterling Cooper at large uh, that Duck is wooing either of them. Right. Because for Peggy, that just makes her more valuable right. to Sterling Cooper. But Pete's like, they could just tell me to hit the bricks. Because I'm already redundant. I'm yeah. sharing my job with Ken. Yeah. He's fighting for value. And and Peggy says, it's my decision, Pete. And Pete says, your decisions affect me. Mm, like this one and giving yeah. away my baby. Yeah. It's a pretty it's a pretty good comeback for Pete, frankly. Yeah. Um, but of course, Peggy, Pete is always more worried about something that isn't a thing because Peggy didn't say anything about right. it. Right. So that's when we see the birth certificate. Uh, it says Eugene Scott Draper, June 21st, 1963. Four something in the morning. I, I just want to point out, we abandoned our canonical what t- we day did, things are happening. But it's very close right now. I know. It is currently I was thinking June about 19th. So mm-hmm. we're, or no, 18th. Today's the 18th. So we're three days away from this. So just for the record. I know. We're coming back around to that. If that was something that we insisted on that no one actually wanted to hear we could do it but we're not going to betty looks so satisfied with herself oh yeah because she has named this baby without uh-huh. don even there yeah it is eugene she got that in there and what you gonna do about it <laughs> yeah yeah you should be satisfied with yourself because you did it right too yeah you knew it would be a boy named eugene or Jean. Yeah. i am sad i'm very satisfied with yeah. myself so then pete walks into bert cooper's office and talk about roasting. Oh, my God. Roger 
immediately said, if it isn't Martin Luther King, I ought to drop you off, drop kick you off the roof. Drop kick you off the roof. (laughs) (laughs) And so Admiral Television has no desire to be a colored television company, which is a poor choice of words because they probably do want a color television. Right. Roger says, are you aware of the number of hand jobs I'm going to have to give? (laughs) I'm going to have to pretend I had you killed. (laughs) I love that line. Yeah. And then it's just like, all right. Or Lane says, are we done with the flogging? Yes. Like they they had planned they were going to fuck him up as soon as he walked in. Right. But then be like, you know what? Actually. Right. That's not a terrible idea. Because Lane had been pinching pennies all episode. And and then Don kind of convinced him, hey. Maybe lay off. Right. You know, find something, another way to make money instead right. of trying to stop money from being spent. And he's like, there's money to be made in the Negro market. Market, Obviously not with Admiral. And just like, you know, I'm a stranger in a strange land, but I can tell you some, there is definitely something going on. Mm-hmm. So is Lane a member of Buffalo Springfield? <laughs> there's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. Yeah, I'm just gonna tell let you keep me going. I got to beware. Everybody stop. Hey, hey what's, what's that sound? Everybody, Everybody look what's going down. Yeah. Alright, thanks. <laughs> Don drives Betty and the baby home. And Betty's just holding that baby in the front seat. Just holding it. No car seats. Nope. No seat belt. No. Nope. For the, just a baby in a Cadillac. It reminded me of, there's this documentary called Babies mm-hmm. that came out in the early 2000s. Did you see this documentary? Is it just like a bunch of babies as they grow up? Yeah. Like for the first year It's like year their first their year. Mm-hmm. I loved that documentary. It was so good, was right? So, I don't remember it well, but it's like babies from different parts of the world yes there's a baby from canada there's mm-hmm. a baby from mongolia there's mm-hmm. a baby from japan and there's a fourth baby from somewhere i can't remember is it an african country yes yeah yes and so we Ghana see Ghana these... or something yeah so like the canadian baby is dressed is is raised like a typical american yes. 21st century baby but all the all the other ones are more like traditional households not a right. couple of them are maybe the mongolia and the african one well, they're, I mean, traditional to their cultures. Right. So the like, African one is, like, you know, in their African culture. I just seem to remember a baby, like, eating toilet paper and hanging out with goats. Just, like... Yes. So... Yeah. <laughs> so that's the Mongolian baby. Okay. So this is what this scene reminds me of when she just rolls up holding this baby. Yeah. The Mongolian baby, so the mom goes and has this baby. Uh-huh. And they come home on yeah. a motorcycle. Oh. On, like, a little Vespa motorcycle. Yeah. And the dad is driving, and the mom is on the back of it, just holding this baby. <laughs> yeah. Just on a motorcycle. Yeah. And then throughout that movie, the mm-hmm. Mongolian baby is my favorite okay it just gets so round and it's like (laughs) there's one scene and i'll never forget it because it's my fucking favorite and i can't remember if it's the canadian baby or the japanese because both are asian babies okay the the canadian family just happens to be an asian family (laughs) (laughs) and the asian baby is in this playroom full of toys just mm-hmm. like it's a toy room right it's the kinda, japanese or, or whichever whichever right okay, it's yeah. either the japanese or the canadian yeah, yeah. right the one that's very 21st century mm-hmm. modern whatever so they have all these toys these books everything yeah and it cuts to the mongolian baby who is like sitting outside literally in a dirt patch <laughs> like 
poking at a goat or something and it's happy yeah. as a clam yeah. and it cuts back to the asian baby and it's freaking out it's yeah. throwing a fit literally like uh-huh. it it sits up picks up a toy uh-huh. looks at it and just throws itself <laughs> on the ground and it just rolls around crying yeah. and cuts back to the mongolian baby like uh-huh. eating some toilet paper just so happy <laughs> cuts back to the other baby picks up a different toy looks at yeah. it throws itself on the ground <laughs> goes back and forth and it's uh-huh. the cutest and yeah. funniest fucking thing to that me very cute and this mongolian like the mongolian <laughs> family it's like five of them they all sleep mm-hmm. in one bed on yeah. the floor in a yurt yeah it's amazing but that's yeah. such a good documentary yeah i need to watch it again we I should watch it together delighted by it, it was delightful yeah. it was adorable and mm-hmm. sweet and heartwarming and i'm sure the little the little toy baby has moments of being sweet and the I'm little mongolian sure. baby throws temper tantrums right but that's fun but yeah the juxtaposition yeah. of these two babies <laughs> like one just literally poking at a goat yeah. and so happy and the other one i'll never forget its little fat legs yeah. just like up in the air as it rolls around because <laughs> it like hates this book that it picked up oh my god it's so good i'm not like terribly nuts about babies like i don't have to see babies all the time but the ones the the like things that people put online that are like the reason their kid is crying Mm -hmm. and it's you know because i told them that they can't be a dog or you know something ridiculous no that's when i cry (laughs) true right (laughs) it's just a picture of 30 something year old ashley yeah Oh, you want to know why Viv cried the other day? I do. Lost her ever-loving mind why? and was screaming? Because I wouldn't let her touch a used condom at the park. <laughs> yep. 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 We're walking back to the car, uh-huh. and Dottie notices this beautiful rock, and we all yeah. go to check it out, and then I notice... <laughs> A split second later, that four inches away is yeah. a used condom. Yeah. And I'm like, please don't notice it. Please don't notice it. Yeah. And of course, uh-huh. they both notice it. And Daddy's yeah. like, what's that? And I'm like, uh-huh. nothing. Walk away. Uh-huh. And Viv, who is three, is like, I need to touch it. And she goes to, like, <laughs> grab it. She's like, what's that, Mama? And I'm like, no, don't touch it. Uh-huh. And she's screaming, I want to touch it. Just <laughs> screaming across the park. And now everybody's looking. And uh-huh. I'm like, no. And Dottie... <laughs> Who is seven is like, but what is it? Yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I don't. I, <laughs> this is not the time to have right. this conversation. And I was like, it, people yeah. use it for their bodies. That oh, was all I could think okay. of to say. That's and that's a good sufficed. starting point. Yeah, that was. She was fine with that. A lot of mystery there, right? I can't wait for whatever that went into Dottie. <laughs> like maybe Dottie specifically. Like, what is she thinking now? Right. What's how do people use it for their bodies? Right. What bodies are they? What bodies? And Where? Viv cried the rest of the way home yeah. about wanting, why can't yeah. I touch it? You should give her like a fresh one. <laughs> <laughs> you have to tell her what it is. Just like yours. You can play with it. Don't tell your oh, teacher God. or your father. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> well, reasons my kid is crying. That yeah. was my most recent one. I love it. Yeah. So Don drives Betty and the baby home. <laughs> I felt like did I felt like the car was on the whole time. Like it I thought so too. Okay, it's not like the car was idling. Yes, it sounded like it never got turned off. Yeah. It was very strange. Okay. But he never goes back to it. No. He just walks in the house with Betty no. and the baby. And we see Francine is in these bright yellow pants. Mm-hmm. She's been watching the kids. Sally gives Betty flowers and hugs her tight. It was very sweet. And 
Francine says, you should see the fridge. If there's a power outage, you can feed the entire street for a month. Yeah. And Betty says, it was all a fog. That's all she remembers. Yeah. I will say, Mm -hmm. the baby still has a little hat on its head. We've yet Mm. to see this baby's head. That's true. It could well be square-headed. Absolutely, it could be. I'm just putting that out there. It's almost, I mean, we know that Matthew Weiner likes hiding things. Exactly. He doesn't like showing all of his cards. There's a lot of possibilities. Yeah. So. Yeah. This baby could be (laughs) square-headed. You know what I'm curious about now? What's that? I really want to go back to the original square-headed baby and see if it's as square-headed as I remember it being. Okay. Just for my own knowledge. I know there's a screenshot of it in our, on the Instagram somewhere. Oh, okay. I'll go back and look. Yeah. We'll figure out what that was, but it was the mother's, it was, we can figure it out. It's fine. Well, it's probably a real blockhead. (laughs) Francine tells Betty, you're making a mistake not making Carla stay. And Betty says, she's been away from her family. I can manage. Mm-hmm. So Carla is uh, the kid's, like, nurse, maid, nanny. Like, she kind of fulfills all of the roles for mm-hmm. uh, household help in uh, the Draper house. She is a black woman mm-hmm. with a family of unspecified, you know, age and size. And it's like, this is a very, stri- you know, important time for, and we saw how agitated Hollis was by, like, Medgar Evers and just everything else that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And so we know that Carla has been kept away from her family for the right. duration of of uh, Betty's labor and stay in the hospital. So, right. I don't know. It just seems a little poor Carla, you yeah. know? And then we see Betty and Don are asleep. It's dark. And we hear crying. Yeah. Yeah. And at first I thought it was a baby monitor, and then I was like, they don't have they didn't those. They not It's just a real loud-ass baby. This is also interesting Interesting because nowadays, mm-hmm. that baby would never be in its own room brand new like that. Right. It would be, like, just bedside. Yep. Yeah. Because I did they just ignore babies more <laughs> quickly? Yeah, probably. And probably weren't as sensitive to all the ways that babies could, you know, be fucked die. Up. Yeah, right. <laughs> in their sleep. Right. So... Don sure doesn't get up, but Betty gets up and she walks toward the door and she pauses for a while. And there's creepy music and creepy lighting, I wrote. It's it's the dream music again. It is the dream music, yeah. Which is like... I noticed that after a minute. Happy. It was and the dream music. And the lighting music. is that vertical blinds are doing pinstripes. Yeah, it's, so it's more light through the blinds. It's more light and it's more like she's in a prisoner's yeah. outfit. Yeah. Because she's... This is the dream that she's in. So, and that's the final, and, and then, like, the closing music is that music. The dream that, music. The the same one. Yeah. So that's the fog. Whoo! I wrote a lot of the, the, the points that are made in the Matt Zoller Sites article are how there's a lot of people who are in the fog of, there's, you know, the drug fog, but also people who are kind of, playing a role they're playing their title so like Mm. don is the boss and Mm -hmm. peggy is just a copywriter who earned who should earn more money but then they have to break through that to have a real a connection you've got pete and and hollis who are like professionals and but and pete wants it to be hollis and pete Mm -hmm. but hollis wants to keep him at arm's length but still lets him break through a little bit when he gets a little bit agitated you have 
just different emotions that people are stuck in. You have stereotypes people are stuck in. Mm -hmm. And they have to get through those to make real human connections. And I really feel like when Dennis Hobart is pushing his wife past, he's back in that fog. Like, he is... He's not broken through anymore. He made that promise right. that he wanted to be a better person to not God, but Dawn. And then right. when he sees Dawn again, he's probably like, ah, fuck. Yeah. I don't like, I don't want to see him. Yeah. And so emphasizing with people walking in another person's shoes and then like also seeing through like these corporate strategies. So Ad- Admiral knows they can make a lot of money, but they are... And, and so they're, they're kind of, like, playing it off, like, we're, we're just going to keep marketing to white people, and that's our show that right. we don't mind black people buying our TVs, but really, when you mm-hmm. cut through it, they just don't want to be associated with them at all. They'll take their money. So that's all of my notes on The Fog. Beautiful. Do you have other thoughts, revelations? Nope. How do you feel about whether this was a doozy or not? It was a doozy. It was a doozy? How doozy was it? I'm going to call it 96% doozy. God damn. Is yeah. that the highest doozy rating we've had? It was, I think so. I don't think we've gone above 87. Since we started officially percentaging. Since records have been yeah. maintained. 96% doozy. Yeah. Incredible. And if you had That's to rate it. Doozy. Um, I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 um, bloody mops. Oh, Lord. <laughs> 9 out of 10. Now, are you just cussing because you're part English, or are you saying that the mop uh, has blood on it? Uh, I'm going to let you determine that. All it's right. whatever you want it to be. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I like to think you're cussing. <laughs> you threw away a lot of bloody, bloody real blood in the bloody last real episode. blood. Yes, you just, yes. Are you just like a blood monster? <laughs> and I might be part vampire. Cool. You don't know. I mean, you are sitting in the shadow right now. Exactly. You've uh, never seen me in direct sunlight. I've never seen you in direct sunlight. <laughs> that is a fact. Mm-hmm. It's very impressive too. Well. Yakety sacks. Ashley predicts. Oh boy. Oh my. Okay. Okay. Um. Okay. I'm gonna say. Either in this ep or the next. Ooh. Don sleeps with that teacher. Okay. Or or does some sort of smooching, or they go on some kind of date, or something. Something uh, inappropriate happens. It 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 crosses that line. It crosses the parent teacher line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it happens because Don is like, you know what? I don't want to be a good husband anymore. Babies are annoying. <laughs> I need to get out of this fucking house uh-huh. where this Eugene. Mm-hmm. God, I couldn't stand the first Eugene. Now there's a mm-hmm. second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So he's like, I want to get laid. <laughs> and I could tell by her sexy, breathy voice mm-hmm. when she called that she wants m- me to lay her. <laughs> she wants me to lay her. Yeah. All right. So Don is out being mischievous. Mm-hmm. Betty yes. is having some postpartum psychosis happening. Oh. It's like... It's beyond postpartum depression. It's where, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a psychosis. Yeah. She's kind of hallucinating. Mm-hmm. She's not quite in her right mind. Mm-hmm. It could be that it's psychosis or it could be the square-headed baby ah. spreading its evil. 
Oh, dear. And causing hallucinations. That is definitely something we want to watch out to. Right. I mean, if if this is like a Rosemary's Baby situation, yeah. where all of a sudden this new character comes in. Right. And it's evil. Right. Oh, boy. Yeah. Sally at school is just beating everyone up. Okay. She, like, she has a brick that she keeps in her backpack. Mm-hmm. And at any time when somebody says something she doesn't like, she whips it out and smashes them in the face. Damn. And she just gets splattered in blood, like, in Kill Bill. Oh, yeah. You know how there's just blood splatters? Mm-hmm. So there's that. Splatters like Kill Bill. Yeah. Right? So she becomes a little bruiser. <laughs> Bobby is at the playground, and we see him just mechanically using his arms. <laughs> He's, like, trying to play with the other kids, mm-hmm. but he moves his arms like the Tin Man when it needs oil. <laughs> and he says, oil crayon. That's what Bobby says. Wow, I love it. He actually inspires that character in The Wizard of Oz. Like, I know it's based on the yes. book. And that it came out before this. And it came out before. Before he was born. Yeah. Right, but still. That's fine. I don't have any problem with that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, oh, Peggy starts taking more mm-hmm. meetings with other okay. agencies. Uh-huh. Because she's like, it's my time. Yeah. And she just keeps saying that. <laughs> Somebody's like, hey, Peggy, how is it going? It's my time. Uh-huh. And Joan says, oh, hi, Peggy, you look nice today. It's my time. And mm-hmm. she says it just like that. Mm-hmm. It's about time we got a catchphrase. Right? Let me tell you. <laughs> I kept thinking it would be like, burr, 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 Johnny. <laughs> and it wasn't. But it might be. It's yeah. my time. My dad told me that they have a catchphrase, he and Don, at their home, uh-huh. which is just saying like, hey, pass the salt, Johnny. <laughs> That's amazing. What are you going to watch tonight, Johnny? I Just, love yeah. it. Yeah, I yeah. feel, I think I'm famous now. You are famous <laughs> now. He told me he says that he feels like he knows you. Aww. I was like, that's how podcasts work, yeah. daddy-o. Yeah. yeah. Justin hope... said he thinks he, he feels like he knows you. Aw. Yeah. That's nice. I, I feel like I know a lot of podcast hosts, but most yeah. of them I'm not related to. So, <laughs> or like, you know, are right. in my social circles. Right. So this right. is a good Look at us. It's a good development. Oh. We're getting to know people better. Without having <laughs> no, to they're getting to know to us better. Yeah. We're not getting to know anyone. We are famous people that could be I like, like it. why are you why do you know that? Don't look directly me? at me. Yeah. This is weird. Mm. You were listening to that conversation? <laughs> that was between me and my best friend. Please don't eavesdrop. Okay, I'm sorry. Peggy's saying it's my time to everyone. It's my time. And Pete is just being gross. Mm. I just don't like him. Okay. No more specific than that. No. If he does anything gross, I'll be like, I fucking nailed it. (laughs) All right. Period. Big period at the end of that And the lingo is going to be... (laughs) (laughs) I feel pretty good about that prediction. Do you have a prediction on who will say... Either... The new baby, Eugene. Or Pete. Okay. Because he's also a little baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that that wraps up our predictions. Yes. And it wraps up this episode. Oh, Oh my God. I love doing this so much. I love mad men. (laughs) And I love mad women. I love you. I'm very proud of myself, dear listener. If you caught it today on our socials, I... 
made a story oh, yeah. for the first time ever. She did. It took me a very long time. Did it? Well, longer than I bet it takes you. You know, not everything is intuitive about Instagram stories. You did a yeah. boomerang, which I don't think I've ever done a boomerang. Well, it literally said, this is a live photo. You can turn it into a boomerang. And I said, okay. And I pressed a button. And it works. It worked. You nailed it. Thank you. And it was uh, in celebration of my birthday, so I'm very appreciative yeah. of it. You're welcome. Oh, my God. Yes. So, uh, dear listener, thank you for listening. Thank you for your patience with our wonky schedule. Listen, Kate only turns 32 but one time. And I only have but two parties for it. <laughs> uh, but if you like the podcast, please give us five stars on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, Spotify, Spotify. If that's a thing. Leave us a positive review. Send us some mail. Send us some mail. Send I like some... chocolate. Kate likes yeah. cats. Uh, you can just send Kate a cat. Send me a cat, please. I don't have enough of them. We love you. And until next time, merry, merry mad men to all, and to all a good night. night. Ooh, that say yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Mad Women. Mad Women is engineered by Ashley Davis, music by Kate E. Britt, and graphics by Dylan Anderson. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RadMadWomen. production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. It's been nice not waking up and just hacking. That is nice. I do some light hacking, but not <laughs> just into like government databases and stuff. <laughs> that winking made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> Mostly because of how long it went on. <laughs> It wasn't one, it was like 12. <laughs>